Hey guys. <laughs> hey Stevie. Hi. I thought I'd start us off this time. Well, Diener still sounds a little <laughs> distant in the uh, in the ears because she's quarantined she at home. So she we've got to distant. I am. We're three I'm sitting in, in cold weather room right now. <laughs> I thought you were Can laying on the us? floor. Oh no, I was laying on the floor near the pretty much in the closet doing the podcast because my service sucks, I guess. But <laughs> no, now I'm I'm drafting up some leather work projects for you guys. You know. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm gonna make you a hot dog. Oh, a hot, a hot dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> a hot dog holder, so I can hold store yeah. my hot dogs on my saddle horn. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It's gonna be the corn dog holder. A corn dog holder. <laughs> Huge snort. Uh, oh my god, I actually have a funny story about corn dogs. So, because <laughs> who doesn't have a funny story about corn dogs? So one time, me and Shelby Ruel went for a walk when she would make me go on these stupid hikes with her. Like, literally one time I was with them, and I actually rolled down the hill because I was toting Dude, so much about being on that. this stupid hike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was on yeah. video. You looked like a yeah. friggin', I don't even know, you were like a cartoon character in your car hearts trying to hike up the hill. It was just like, <laughs> what is going on? What? I was like leaving the house in cold. Like, what are you wearing? I was like, I'm wearing my insulated coveralls. It's cold. He's like, you're going to die. And I walked halfway up the hill and almost puked. I was. <laughs> we need to anyway, so we were on this... that video actually for evidence because that's, that's actually, yeah, it's a super funny video. So me and Shelby were on this stupid hike and I was walking and I, I was so tired and I was like looking off in the distance and I see this thing laying on the ground and it's in the shape of, of a hot dog and I like look at it a little closer and I look on the ground I'm like is that a corn dog on the ground and I actually like look at it she's I actually thought it was a corn dog and she's like that's a what is what's it called a cattail that's <laughs> I wish you would have taken thinking. a bite yeah I, just thinking about food 24 7 uh, story of my life yes yeah, I guess the biggest thing that sucks about being in quarantine is having such a sweet tan and no one can really see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Nice bronze. Yes, and I guess I don't get to see you guys as well. Yes, yeah. that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, we'll be lot. back to sushi yeah. and pizza in no time here. I know. Oh, maybe, no. Maybe. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> I know. I'm hungry. Sorry. Okay, so to the point here. Yeah. This is a really long conversation, but a super informative mm-hmm. and inspiring mm-hmm. conversation too so um you guys are really going to enjoy this one you might need to grab a pen and paper for all their good tips yeah i i think so and i think a big part of um well a big reason why i'm super excited about this podcast is my horse is actually in training with christine right now and one of the reasons why i sent her for training uh well my mayor i guess is i just um needed almost like a palate refresher because i was having so much trouble with her and I just needed someone to get on her that was going to help her through this stuff because I and then help me through problems that I'm having as well and I decided to go with Christine just based on the reviews that my friends have had sending their horses to her and um, yeah like she's also a phenomenal rider has great accomplishments you see her at a jackpot and all of her horses are in a great pattern so I'm really excited to see what she can not only do with cash, but also with me as a rider as well and help me grow. Mm-hmm. I've never actually met Christine, but like I've seen her at the Futurities when I was running Joe, the Futurities and Derbies. And yeah, watching her ride, she just, 
she sits so nice like she's balanced and she's not all over the place like a monkey and yeah she just mm-hmm. keeps her hands so quiet and her horses can actually work like they all run the same pattern it's just amazing to watch yeah, yeah. and then Jeff, Jeff her husband Jeff um, they're actually such a cute couple they mm-hmm. they have some good stories and he's so knowledgeable in the roping too and he actually brings a, a really cool twist into this and gives a uh, perspective on someone who's coming into the game a little bit older and not like uh, raised up roping since they were a little kid. So he has some really great insight as well. Definitely. He's inspirational all on his own too. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they bounce off of each other so well. And, and I, I really enjoyed speaking with both of them. Same. And everybody else will too. We are so excited to bring you this next power couple in the horse world. They just purchased a stallion together too. I can just see it now. They're going to be bringing up those sprocket babies. They're going to be roping. Mm-hmm. They're going to be barrel racing. It's it's going to be great. So we'd like to introduce to you Christine and Jeff Drisner. Jeff is actually new to the horse world, which we mentioned, and he will tell you a lot more about. And like we said, he is inspirational all on his own. He's went from Ontario boy to actually winning the Canadian College Rodeo Finals Healer Championship in 2014. So stay tuned to hear more about that. In 2015, Christine actually never hit a barrel the whole LRA Rodeo season. And she even won the Thorsby Rodeo on the same impressive horse, Homer, who's going strong today. And you're going to hear a lot more about. She also qualified in the same year to the LRA Showdown. So the finals. She's had many other accomplishments on many other horses, but another standout was Shooter. She was the 2017 SBRA Derby champion. She was also a multiple-time Futurity and Derby short go qualifier and placer. She also has rodeo placings as well. These are just a couple of the horses in Christine's string that you're going to hear more about, and you can bet those aren't the only horses that she's going to be winning on in the near future. So without further ado, we'd like to bring you Christine and Jeff. and Jeff how are you guys doing we're good good that's good you guys have enough toilet paper oh yeah actually it's a funny story about the toilet paper um so we got home from our long holiday to Hawaii and stuff at the start of the month and uh, my mom's home care worker came to me in the barn one day and he said I'm going to Costco Christine do you need anything I said yeah, actually, probably a couple of things. And he said, well, toilet paper's on sale, so I'm going to pick some up. I said, well, yeah, grab me a toilet paper, I guess, if it's on sale. I'm going to need some eventually. Yeah. So he went to Costco, comes back, and he goes, well, I got you some toilet paper, but the stuff that was on sale was all gone. I said, it was all gone? He said, yeah. I went into Costco, and everybody had at least three in their cart, and I didn't know what was happening, so I took three, too. I got you one of the other ones, and I was like, well, I didn't really need it that bad, but okay. Well, now I'm glad I have it, I guess. That's exactly. so funny. That's awesome. You don't have to brave Costco for a while. <laughs> no. I haven't been to town. I've been once since we got home. I've been hiding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a good time to hide right now. Yeah. Um, on the toilet paper subject, 
my dad for a long time has been wanting a bidet <laughs> so yeah he installed one today he's like perfect um perfect opportunity perfect time to invest in <laughs> yeah <one of> <laughs> It's even got a blow Man, those dryer. Those things are crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah. The first time I tried one, I screamed. I was like, I didn't even know like there was some kind of dryer going on, and it was insane. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a video of people using bidets for the first time, and their reactions are hilarious. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. All right. So we've heard there's quite a bit of history there on the ranch. Can you give us a little bit of the backstory? Yeah, so it started in 1982 with my parents, and so it was just a bare piece of land, basically, um, a vision that they had, and they based it on their favorite Bible verse, Psalm 4610, which is, be still and know that I am God. So that's where the name of the ranch came from, Still Meadows Ranch. That's cool. Um, Yeah. So so it was built from the ground up. Uh, My mom taught riding lessons all through my childhood. She actually ran Birch Bay Ranch for a while um, before coming to the ranch. So that was her dream and her vision. And I guess that's where, where I got it from and built from there. That's a really cool story. I, I was wondering what was the Still Meadows Ranch name and, and how that came about. So that's really neat. Yeah, my mom has a lot of faith and that's been kind of her go-to her whole life and has gotten her through some very difficult times and us too. And we have a strong faith in the Lord and yeah, and we just look at the ranch as a blessing every day that we get to be there. And, and she wanted to start it so that she would have it to share share horses with other people and really believe that horses can change people's lives and mm-hmm. that they can be an avenue, um, you know, to, to reach out to people who need you and to share about the Lord. And that's kind of how it all started. And horses can change people's lives, that's for sure. I, I, this is a little bit like off topic, but something super interesting that I watched was even like a, the prisons, they have like a horse program and their reoffending rate from people who do the horse training program is zero. Like these mm-hmm. people are completely changed after working with horses. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot in the years growing up and just a lot of self-confidence in people and stuff like that, just how people come. And by the time that they leave, they're just completely different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Rider Dies, head on over to Dynamic Equine and check out what they have to offer on that page. The Beamer Blanket is one of those things, and we are such believers in the Beamer. Go check it out. Is is the brand kind of tied into that as well? Um, so there's two different brands. So the, the ranch brand, my mom's brand is the four with the lazy R underneath of it. Okay. And so that, that she laughs and says it's the four lazy rusnacks. So my mom and my siblings and I. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then the fish brand is Jeff and I's brand, which we registered a couple of years ago now. And so it's actually like a diamond lazy reverse V, but we picked it because it looks like the Jesus fish. Yeah. So that's cool. I like that brand. Yeah, it is really neat. So Christine, how did your background specifically lead you into barrel racing? And at what point in your life were you introduced to it? Um, well, I actually didn't get barrel racing until I was probably in my 20s more seriously. I mean, I always did dabble a little bit. Um, but started my horse career more in the show world and 
So when I was a kid, we did a lot of like the fairs and fun shows and stuff. And, and I did everything from like the halter to the English, to the Western pleasure, to the Gymkhana and did very well and liked that. Um, and then moved from that more seriously into reigning. Um, and I showed at quite a high level in the reigning for a lot of years. And then really started putting my focus more onto the barrel racing when I went to college and started college rodeo. So I figured if I had to be away from home and I was going to have my horses, I needed to compete in something. So I thought I'd give that a go. And from there, kind of took an interest to the barrel racing and started focusing more on that and kind of was a combination between the barrel horses and the reining horses. And now to today where it's mostly just the barrel horses. That's awesome. Yeah, and if people didn't know, my mare is with Christine right now, and mm-hmm. I just got a video from her yesterday, and I was so excited. Or, no, it was two days ago. And yeah, I was super, super, super impressed with how things are going with your program that you got. Thanks. I don't know if she's as excited, but I'm trying to convince <laughs> Yeah, She's a weird one, that's for sure. She's very uh, similar to Jeff H's horse. She, uh, very standoffish and like I'm sure that's for sure. I'm just trying to convince her that my ways are better. She's not totally convinced yet, but she's trying to figure it out. <laughs> awesome. uh, I'm sure it'll work out. Yeah, I I think so for sure. No, she's doing good. That's awesome. So how about Jeff? How did he get into horses? Um, well, it's uh Kind of a funny story, I guess. I grew up in Quebec, so wasn't really involved in horses at all. Um, all I did pretty much was play hockey and play sports. But uh, my uncle Jack always had horses on his place. But um, by the time I was old enough to ride, my cousins had grown up and kind of moved away and weren't really riding and stuff. So never really had the opportunity to ride. But I spent tons of time around them and. And also kind of helped helped on his farm all the time. So I was always around him and always had an interest, but never really the opportunity. So um, while well, living back there, I took a few English lessons as a kid, but just wasn't for me. Just kind of didn't didn't enjoy it that much. And I guess just riding in circles in the arena wasn't really my cup of tea. So um, took a few lessons, and that was about it. And uh, never really got into it at all until I moved out west, which was in, I believe, about 2010. So um, didn't really have much to do with them at all until then and uh, ended up working for um, an electrical company for a little bit and then um, started doing some landscaping. And once I got laid off from my landscaping job, I ended up um, through a friend um, getting a job working for Christine's mom at the ranch, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you guys should uh, tell us a story about how you got together and met, because that is a really cute story. I think we'll leave that one to Christine. She's good at telling it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jeff, we want to hear your version. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably add some to it after, but yeah, I guess the horse thing was kind of my fault, but... Actually, when Jeff started working for us at the ranch, we barely even talked to each other. Um, I was I was busy and he was busy and neither one of us were really looking for anything. And I'm a little older than Jeff, so it kind of never really crossed my mind at the time. 
But um, after he quit working for us, then we just sort of started hanging out a little bit more and became really good friends. And one thing led to another and we started dating. In fact, I think I had to, we were dating and I had to ask him if we were dating. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a country song. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) it actually is. Yeah. Well, the first day he showed up for work, I should have known he was a keeper because, well, he didn't even show up for work. He showed up for an interview. So he comes into my mom's house, dressed for an interview. He's got a nice leather jacket on. He's got a clean pair of jeans and he looks like he's going to town. And I had no idea this guy was coming. Mom doesn't tell me those kinds of things usually. (laughs) Uh, So we were in a busy day in the spring, I think with no. fall or something. I don't know. It was muddy and I was in coveralls and I was covered in mud and dewormer and we were dealing with babies that were barely halter broke and the farrier and I don't know. It was a busy day. And so I came to the house for something to ask my mom and she introduced me to Jeff and she goes, well, this is Jeff and he's going to come out and give you a hand. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> oh no. Not dressed to do it, and I knew nothing about him, and I did not need somebody in my way. And he was like, Maxine, it's fine. Um, I actually didn't come dressed to work today, but I can come back a different day. She's like, Oh, there's coveralls and a jacket in the back closet. Go find something and go give the girls a hand. It was me and Charlene, my best friend. Oh. And uh, I kind of left hoping he wouldn't follow, and he did. And uh, we had this old Dunmare who was rank and mean and she'd kill you. she'd run you over if you got in her way so I warned him and uh, he got out of the way in time though and so we finished the day and he managed to get a halter on a baby that was wild and he did some other things that were very helpful and he left and I turned to Charlene and was like wow he actually did a pretty good job but I don't think that we're ever going to see him again <laughs> really gave him the run around um, yeah. but he came back they tried to scare me off. Yeah. They didn't do good enough. We tried a couple of times, but he kept coming back. <laughs> so, Jeff, what were you thinking this whole time that day? Um, I, being around horses a little bit, like I wasn't nervous or anything. So, I don't know. I, as an outsider, I always say, like, when you're working with your own horses, sometimes it's, it's not that much fun or, you know, you're trying to work your own cows never that much fun but if you go to someone else's place and help them it seems to not really be that stressful it's kind of more like the pressure's off so I was there and it was busy and chaotic but um I don't know it was kind of neat for me it'd been a long time since I'd been around horses and stuff so for me it was I don't know I thought it was a pretty fun day and (laughs) and uh, I just tried to be somewhat helpful and and not get killed in the process and I lived (laughs) You live to tell the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's a great story. I really like it. So speaking of dealing with uh, babies and whatnot, we wanted to get into your guys' breeding program. So can you tell us a little bit about the breeding program that you guys have going on now, but maybe also where it started on the ranch? Um, so everything started like with my mom and dad, but we actually, when I was growing up, raised mostly paint horses. Oh, okay. um, so we had a mom had a stallion named Chattanooga Choo Choo, and he was pretty well known around our area. And a lot of people, everybody in the country, bred to him around us. So everybody had a Choo Choo baby, 
and tons of color. And I always laugh and everybody always makes fun of me because really my favorite color is a sorrel with a blaze. <laughs> and they always, they always seem to find me and it's never that I really pick them out, but I'm just drawn to them and I'm not drawn to color. But and that's what I grew up with. But um, we went from him and they were just like show horses, halter horses, Western pleasure horses, all around horses. Um, and then from him, we ended up with a stud named Sinita's Luck who was by Sunita's lap and he was a cutting horse in his younger days and had an injury and then was out and just bred mares. Um, and my mom kind of got involved with a good friend of hers who had this horse and he had a big breeding program. So that's where that all started. His name was Norm Jones. Um, and that horse was pretty influential in, in my life as I transitioned over to the barrel horses. I rode a lot of them on the pattern, um, and kind of went with them, make, nice cow horses and rope horses too. And so when he was getting older, we kept back a baby of his who we still have today. And his name is Sunita's Junior Jag. There's pictures of him and Jeff on Facebook and on our, on our um, website. He's a pretty nice rope horse. My sister claims him as hers nice. and she loves him and rides him the most. I showed him a little bit in the raining but he's built like a head horse. Like he's 15, two or three and built like a tank and big boned. And so I show up at the raining shows with him and people would laugh and say, you look like you should be going to pull a steer instead of run a raining pattern. <laughs> but yeah, but he was pretty, he, yeah. And so I, I went a little bit on him, but then we had another um, freedoms dried off ST. Um, we had him around from the time he was three. He also came from my mom's friend, Norm. And I showed him, he was the horse that like made my training clear, really. So I, I showed him for years and he took me all over Canada and the U.S. and I won a ton on him. And so we had a lot of, I rode a lot of his babies too in the barrel pen, but also had um, some in the rope pen and they're just really nice all around horses. And we have some of his daughters still that are, going to be some brood mares and stuff in the future and so those are kind of my mom's horses but that I did a lot with as mm -hmm. far as my riding career and then this year we had the opportunity to purchase some um, famous playboy Jeff and I did and so he is our current stallion and yeah we're hoping to make a good program starting with him I guess oh for sure <clears throat> yeah he's a gorgeous gorgeous horse and you run him so nice as well i love watching your videos on him thanks so how did you acquire famous playboy as and you also call him sprocket right yes sprocket the rocket <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah um so that one was because of my friends charlene and jen i was in the barn doing something and i got a text message from one of them with a screenshot of the, the sale ad that Kim posted. And then 30 seconds later, I got a screenshot from the other one of them. And I looked at it <laughs> and I read it. And I was like, I almost just closed it, didn't even answer them. I was busy. And then I read it again. And I was like, really? He's for sale? And did she make a typo? Because I don't know, that just doesn't seem possible. And was confused. And so then I phoned Jeff right away. And he's like, yeah, actually, I just saw that. And I was going to message you, but then he didn't. And I just said to him, I think this is something that we should probably consider. I mean, we weren't really looking for a stud at all. In fact, I'm 
I don't love breeding season. It's just busy and I'm so busy with everything else, but mm-hmm. love training horses and we're always going to have horses and to have a set of that caliber is not an easy thing to come across or to be able to afford. So it just sort of seemed like a good opportunity. So I said to him, um, I'm going to phone Kim, but I'm pretty sure we should just buy him, which was scary. <laughs> and he's like, whatever you think. And so I said, well, I'll call her and I'll let you know. And so I called Kim and uh, I just kind of said, is this, this for real? And she said, yep. And I said, okay, well, I've got just a few questions and whatever. We chatted a little bit. And then I said, can I just have like an hour? I said, I'm 90, like 95% sure that we're going to take him, but I should probably actually call Jeff and talk to him a little bit more about this. I mean, I had already talked to him, but just some more details and I wanted some more info um, and then called Jeff back and he gave me the okay. Usually his, his answer is, yeah, well, whatever you think, cause you're probably just going to do what you want anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you think, honey, is always the best answer. But he knows I make the best decisions, so he doesn't really have to. So, anyways, he gave me permission. I phoned him back. We got it worked out, and then we owned a stud. And uh, then I told Charlene, and she's like, well, that's really exciting. I'll do a Facebook page for you, and I'll help you, because I was now all of a sudden stressed out. and like, I don't have time to promote a stud. What have I gotten myself into? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, have you ever actually even seen him in person? I'm like, mm, three years ago from across the arena, I did. <laughs> But it worked out okay. I do love him. I love the way he's put together. Love his personality. Um, we feel very blessed to have him in our barn. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if all he does is raise some babies for us, that's all he needs to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see some other people get some too. Yeah, for sure. I think he's going to do lots for yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so what is his personality like? He's a... Uh, He's a big baby, really. Like, I mean, when we, got, when we got him, he was in the middle of breeding season. So he was very steady and he hadn't been ridden in three years. He had only been breeding. But, I mean, you can't expect much else from a stuff, right? Um, so we spent some time just getting to know him. Jeff, Jeff decided that we should ride him. I wasn't really sure if we needed to ride him, but he likes to be more of the dare that. So he took him and saddled him and he got on him and he didn't die. So then I figured oh, I could probably give him a go. Um, so I started spending some more time with him and just this winter got to know him a little bit more and he always comes to the fence to see you. He loves to have his head rubbed. He loves being groomed. Mm. He's very social. Um, so he likes to be in the arena and around other horses, but you got to find that balance between when he's trying to be just friendly and social or when he thinks he's being steady. But for the most part, he's very well. So what was it about him that originally caught your eye? Um, like maybe you said you didn't see him, but you must have, I mean, watched him run or just, you know, knew some statistics or had some faith in those, in those bloodlines. Um, well, we had already bred to him. So I already knew a little bit about him. Oh. Um, that last year, we actually we bred a mare. So we bred before we bought him. And um, I, I've always like admired Kim's breeding program and her horses. So I knew that she wouldn't have anything that she didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I have a lot of respect for her. Um, and then I had seen her with some of his babies and stuff coming up and, 
and his breeding may speak for itself. In Canada, we're very fortunate to have a bunch of dash to fame stallions and really nice ones. So if we had been specifically looking for a stallion, he's not necessarily something I would have looked for for that reason. Mm-hmm. Just like competitive, right? Like Sandy Ridge has three very nice ones. Um, LDS Unleashed is very nice and a lot of proven ones. But the thing I love about the um, Dash to Fame sons is that they're all producers. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a few of them and like from different sons and I've seen tons of them and they all produce. So I just figured we had recently lost our, my mom's one stallion um, in the fall. And so we were down to only one at the ranch and we actually ended up having to breed five mares outside last year, which gets pretty pricey when you're trying to breed a bunch of them. We only could breed two mares to our own stallion because they're all related. Right. Yeah. Um, once we left. So he just timing wise and because of his breeding, he just seems like a good fit. Mm-hmm. So if any of his offspring hit the roping fence? I don't think so. Not that we know of, no. Do you plan on taking some on the roping pen there, Jeff? Um, I've roped the, the Smarty on them and stuff a little bit. Not too much because, like I said, right when we got them, um, it was kind of right in breeding season. So he was kind of a little bit full of himself. So I uh, I swung a rope on him a little bit and uh, roped the Smarty a few times. And then I just honestly haven't really roped on him much since just because I've had other ones on the go. And uh, then this winter I got hurt pretty bad. So I was off for quite a while and, and didn't have a whole lot of time. So And I stole him. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was making him look pretty good in the barrel pen. So I just let him let him go and do that. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Yeah, look good in the barrel pen. Yeah. Once you have some babies, that's, that's definitely the plan. Um, to get them going and, and uh, see what they can do there for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I like you would and, you would think with like with roping. I guess I don't know, but would would you ever cross a little bit of running bred bloodlines in there to get that speed, or it's pretty much usually just like straight cow cow uh, No, there's definitely guys that are are riding um, some kind of running bred stuff, especially for head horses because they want them to have that speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, off the top of my head, I, to be honest, I don't, uh, I don't know of too many that are bred that way. I'm sure there's, there's lots out there, but yeah. honestly, for me personally, most of the time, I just kind of, if they, if they kind of have the mind for it, I don't necessarily even um, rely too much on the breeding when I'm, I'm picking horses or whatever. But definitely, now that we have one, and it'll be kind of interesting to pay a little closer attention and see what uh, what's out there for rope horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the different crossings the you can do. Yeah, he's the most running bred horse I've ever had. I come from cow horses and reining horses. So that's what I grew up on. So I've kind of always tended to go towards that type of horse for the barrel pen too, because for me, what gives me a rush in barrel racing is the fast turn. And so mm-hmm. I love a horse that can really get down and turn quick and fast and then Cow horses, they have so much reach and fire. I mean, not all of them can run as fast maybe as a, a running horse, but they make up their time in the turns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of our mares are cowbred mares. So I'm really excited to put him on the cowbred mares um, while in that 
the horse that won the super stakes this year was Calbred on the bottom side by him. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's going to be a really exciting cross because he's very turny too and he's fast in his turns and he's very fast on the straightaways. So yeah, it should be, should be a good mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those I definitely some nice can't wait crosses. to see some of that. Yeah. So what are your plans for Sprocket this year, aside from breeding? Well, mostly breeding. And Jeff bugs me all the time that I should go rodeo on him. But <laughs> we, I say, he's got a job to do, too, and that's to make some babies. And <laughs> so we're we've got five mares, I think, of our own that we plan to try to breed to him. Um, I would like to keep running him a little bit if I can. It just always depends on how busy he's going to be and how his mind stays while he's breeding, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, and I've got a bunch of other horses that need to go too. So to manage a stallion during breeding season while having to haul a bunch of other horses is not always the easiest thing to do. It's not impossible. I mean, I, I showed in the raining, I showed a stallion for years, but he was basically the only horse I ever had to take and worry about too. So um, mostly going to focus on just getting through breeding season and riding him when I can and taking him places I can. Yeah. With the whole environment right now, anyways, I guess that mm-hmm. no one really knows what their summer yeah. plans are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we might just be, he might just be breeding and riding at home. That's Who knows? True. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Hey, Rider Dies, if you haven't already, make sure you check out OE Nutraceuticals in Canada for clinically proven and tested supplements. And be sure to use our code HORSEPOOR for 10% off. So we've kind of touched on this in conversation, but do you have any prospects that you're particularly excited about up and coming? Um, yeah, we have. I have a, a super stakes four-year-old that I posted a couple of videos on my Facebook page or on our page mm-hmm. um, by... French Atula guy. Oh, yes, I see His name is French Flies, and he's out of a Hida's little pep daughter. Um, so I bought his mother from Jody Newdorf when he was in utero, and so he's really cool, and I plan to, to have him ready for the Super Stakes next year would be my goal. Um, Jeff roped on him a little bit, too, and he's kind of, I think he's going to be fun on the head side. We just need to find some more time for him again. Um, then Jeff has, I just posted a video of a horse called the legendary Iceman, called Iceman. He's by PC Double Cross and out of, um, a custom legend mare that we have. And he's really a cool little horse. He's super flashy. He looks like he's meant to be a heel horse. So he's going to be just kind of next project on the heel side. I'm going to try really hard to not steal him. (laughs) (laughs) Telling him that that was his horse, but he'll probably go on the barrels a little bit too. Um, and then I've got another super stakes three-year-old mare by Jess Honor Bully and out of a, a just a swing and peppy mare, so she's counting the bottom. And what else do we have? We have a yearling by LDS Unleashed. So those are the ones that Jeff and I own. And then my mom has always prospects coming up too out of our studs um, that will kind of pick and choose who we want to go where. Um, but we're really excited about the babies we have coming this year, mm-hmm. which seems like such a long wait by the time we get to ride them. But <laughs> we've got three that are due to full any day. One of them is a smart little Lena mare, and she's in full. The guy's keeping the same. Oh, wow. Um, then we have, well, my, my ultimate favorite horse is Shooter. 
And so she's a horse that I rodeoed on and won a little bit on, and she did very well in the derbies for me, won a ton. And she's actually by a stallion called Custom Pistol, um, who is a reigning horse that won over 250000 down south. And I think he sold to Europe somewhere. And she is also um, cowbred. And she's in full to as good as Nick gets. So I'm really excited about that. And she is ginormous and going to pop that baby any day. <laughs> and then her half-sister is um, the same mother to Jess Iceman Horse. And she's in full to Sprocket. So that's our one oh. we get this year. Mm-hmm. And what else? Then we've got another mare, Calbred mare, that's in full to He's Gotta Be Famous. Hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Lots of babies coming. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys sell, mo- yeah. sell most of these? Um, well, I don't know. I'm kind of a hoarder. Eventually, maybe. The other one that's really exciting is that Shooter's mom is in full to MP Hot Hay Day with Starbucks. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Ooh, cool. So I don't know. I'm going to keep all of those ones for a while, but at some point I'm going to have to make a decision because <laughs> to take four of them down the road plus everything else that I always have on the go, yeah. it's just, and then you can't do them any justice. But um, I did take a couple of the mares last year to get the baby sexed because my vet wanted to practice. So he told me that Shooter was having a cold, he thinks, but her baby was being difficult like her and not really holding still. <laughs> so that one's a colt then it might stay around for a while well it's probably going to stay anyways it's as, <laughs> as good as Nick's fresh yeah. and then the other one out of her uh, shooter's mom the Starbucks baby he said was a filly and if that one's a filly she'll probably stay around because you know it's going to have future broodmare so. yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. sure Cool. So we talked about your uh, prospects you have coming up, but we kind of want to get into your training program. So can you give us a little bit of an overview on your barrel program and the concept, the concept that you live by and teach? When I decided that I would pursue this training career and coaching career, I thought about what that meant to me. And um, I wanted to have a kind of a, slow, a slogan, I guess, for my business part of stuff. And so what I came up with was working together towards success. And I'm a very competitive person. So for me, success is in the, in the competition pen. And as a coach and a trainer, if that's the way my clients want to go, then I want to 100% be there for them to support that too. But I also know that not everybody has the same goal. And so when I decided to do this, I wanted to be able to help any person or any horse at whatever level they were at and to take them to whatever level they wanted to be at. So I always tell people when they come, they say, well, you know, like, I don't know that I'll ever be good enough. And I don't know if my horse is good enough. It doesn't matter where you're at or where you want to go. Let's just start with where we're at today and take one day at a time and see how far that takes us. So that's, that was kind of my slogan. And then my, Day to day, I try to keep it as easy as possible for the horse to do the job so that they want to do the job. So training my barrel horses, I really go back to my like cow horse and my reining roots. And how can I make the job as easy as possible for them and so that it's their decision? So I think about my barrel horses like we would train a cutting horse. I want to, when you train a cutting horse, you've got to teach them to watch the cow. 
if they can't watch the cow and read the cow and I'm trying to read the cow and then give the horse the message, I'm going to get beat every time. And so if you can teach the horse to do the job and take myself out of it, we eliminate one step, the horse is faster, and then they can beat the cow. So when I started riding barrel horses, that made sense to me. And so I try to make it so that the horse really wants to do the job and it's my job to sit in the middle and not move. It's their job to go run the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I just train with that in mind. Um, and so if they kind of know their footwork, I just try to be really still. I teach them the foundation. Then when we go to compete, I try to be still and just ride with my feet and legs and keep my hands as quiet as possible so that I'm not distracting to them. Because at the end of the day, if a horse is going to want to do the job well, they have to love the job. Yeah. And if I'm in there making it stressful for them, then they're not going to want to do the job, right? And so I don't want to force a horse to do something they don't want to do. And I tell people all the time, like, we can have big goals and dreams for our horses, and you can spend a ton of money, and they can have the breeding to do it. But if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a kid that you take to hockey. Like, you may want them to make the NHL, but if they hate hockey, it doesn't matter how much time and effort and money you put into it, they're not going to make the NHL. You have somebody who has no background or the family doesn't, but they just want hockey so bad that they're going to do it, right? And horses are kind of the same way. So I just try to really let the horse tell me what they're ready for and if they love the job or they don't love the job. And if we hit a point where they hate the job, then I reassess that. And why why are we hating the job? Am I making this too difficult for you? Is this too hard for you mentally or physically? Are we miscommunicating or is it just not your job and that's okay? Mm-hmm. And then for the the rest of kind of what I try to do in my business is I just try to work hard and be as honest as I can and keep my face at the center of it. Mm-hmm. I know all of us and and more people that we hang out with just admire how you just ride every horse. Like it looks like you ride every horse the same. Like you sit right where you're supposed to, and it's just it's just what a barrel run should look like all the time. Well, I found, I guess I found a program that works for me and it works for multiple horses. And that's what makes me really proud of what I do is I watch not just my own horses, but the people that I coach and people and horses come in all shapes and sizes and abilities. And all of the ones from my program go through the same foundation, the same program. We do it the same for everybody. Yeah, You have to make a little adjustment here and there for certain things, size of horse or whatever. But the foundation is basically the same. And if I sit down and I watch videos of the five horses that I run and the five to ten horses that my students run, they all run the same pattern. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run at different speeds and whatever, but it all looks the same and it looks easy. So I try to make it easy for the horse, but I want it easy for the rider. Mm-hmm. If my horse isn't doing their job, it's hard to ride, right? And I tell people all the time, if my horse isn't Working the way they should, it doesn't matter how good of a rider you are, you can't sit in the middle. So I have to be able to sit in the middle so I can stay balanced so they can stay balanced, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have kind of a, a different question. So what are some of the struggles um, of being a horse trainer? And is there some things that um, make the job like a little bit more difficult? Or were you really nervous when you first started riding other people horse, other people's horses? And can you kind of take us through your journey of doing this full time? Sure, best I can. Um, lots of, I guess, struggles for me when I started were more just self confidence. Mm-hmm. 
I've really been working on this the last few years, especially, but I tell people all the time, I'm actually kind of insecure. And it's only been the last like couple of years that I've really talked myself into believing that I am actually good at what I do and that I have a talent in what I do. I guess I'm, I work hard and I'm good at what I do, but I always tell people all the time, I'm just, I'm just a nobody from Canada. And sometimes I don't know why anybody wants to send their horses to me, or I'm surprised that somebody knows who I am. Um, but I guess in the last little bit, I've been working on that and, and just trying to build my confidence in myself um, to make my horses better and, and to improve overall, I guess. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people do struggle with confidence. Is there any uh, tips and tricks that you had for people that did lack? Like, I know I 100% lack confidence, especially when I ride in front of other people. So is there some things that you did or that you told yourself at the end of the day? Um, surround yourself with like-minded people who believe in you is a big thing, right? To have a good support system. Really, Jeff has been that for me in the last couple of years. And I think that that's also why I start believing in myself because I have doubts and he's my sounding board and he just can't believe that I don't believe in myself. And it tells me all the time, like, I don't know why, why you don't think you're good. You're good. Right. And just to have somebody telling you that, but for me, it's been a struggle too of, of finding a balance between modesty too, right? Like I don't want to seem like I'm cocky or, you know, toot my own horn. And so it's hard for me to like, take gratitude for when I win something too. And so it's mm-hmm. just something that I work on all the time and having the people around you that believe in you and, and help give you that confidence just has been big for me. And just constantly telling myself that I am good, right? I had to, I had to do it for myself too, because lots of times you hear that from the outside, but you don't really believe it, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to get to a place for yourself that you do believe it. Yeah. And I started, I started really making myself, um, I guess, let go of the external, especially competition. I, in the reigning world, it was easier for me for some reason, but barrel racing, competing for a long time, I really struggled. Mm-hmm. I get into and feel pressured up. And I think because like going from showing reigning horses to barrel horses, reigning, you have all kinds of time. And it's about walking to the middle and waiting and mm-hmm. collecting your thoughts. And thinking about what you're going to do and then riding one piece of the pattern and then collecting your thoughts, right? Barrel racing, you don't have that luxury. You can't think through it. Yeah. You have to let it go <laughs> and ride. And so that was really, really hard for me. So I struggled on that. But I had to get to a place, too, where, especially as a professional, you worry about who's watching you. And, and you know that people are always kind of judging and, and wondering you know, like, well, if I had a horse, would I send it to her? And maybe I shouldn't because, you know, look at what she did there. And, and those things just go through my mind all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get to a place where I just decided that it didn't matter. Yeah. I you keep only I really know where my horse started and what the end goal is for them. Mm-hmm. And it's about me and them. And I just started trying to let the rest of that go and say, when I go in the arena, it needs to be just better than it was the last time. Mm-hmm. If I if that happen every time I go to the arena, then I'm going to get better and we're going to start winning or improving or whatever that is. And when I really started putting that at my focus, I was able to let a lot of that other stuff go 
and start doing better. And, and competition wise, like the mental game of it is really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that how we say, I wish somebody would just give me the answer. Cause I would hear all the time, Christine, you ride better than anybody else out there. There's no reason you shouldn't be winning. I heard that from so many people and I would just get so mad. They're like, okay, so why am I not winning? What is the secret? Because I'm yeah. so competitive. But the reason was because it's too much pressure. Yeah. Right? I had, to, I had to learn to let it go. And really for me, the secret to the mental game um, was my mom got really sick. She got so sick and we thought that we were going to lose her. And I was trying to rodeo and, at that point when I went to rodeo with, I just had my horse Homer and mom wanted me to go. And every time I left, I wondered if I was doing the right thing. And she just said, this is what you love. You need to go. I'll be fine. Go do it. And Kelly yeah. went back. So when I went to a rodeo, I was so stressed about her and was I making the right decision that I just learned to enjoy my horse mm-hmm. and embrace the opportunity to be there and compete and Try to just go make a smooth run every time. And then I started winning because it didn't matter anymore. Yeah. There was bigger in life that mattered. And I really learned from that, I guess. And now, thankfully, my mom is healthy and well, and it's great. And I've continued to have some success since then. But it just really made me change my thoughts, I guess, right? Well, that story kind of made me tear up a little bit, Christine. That's that's amazing that you how you changed and and how like your mom got you more confident like that's that's a beautiful story I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us I don't even know if I answered your question but no you that that totally did um, yeah I think that was awesome I, that was that was honestly awesome and I really appreciate you sharing that because not a lot of people want to share that and what they struggle with right people want to uh, not show that side so I really appreciate that um, I feel like that's something that almost every barrel racer can relate to is that confidence. Like, like I can, I can send Cole a picture or a video of me at a jazz spot. And he's like, why are you riding like that? Cause you don't ride like that at home. And you just almost break down at a jackpot. Like happens to everyone at every level. Right. Well, and then, you know, you hear those things and he's not, it's not that he's trying to be unsupportive or tell you you're doing things wrong. But sometimes when they, if they say something like that, and Jeff and I went through this where he was trying to be so helpful but I already knew what I was doing wrong. I didn't have, need to, I didn't need the coaching. I didn't know what I needed. So poor Jeff gets, you know, he's trying to be helpful and I just yell at him and he's like, I'm just trying to help. And you know, somebody else could tell you that and you wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, but I already know. And mm-hmm. he just, I guess, find, find a better way to do it. Right. And just mm-hmm. take your moment. And, and what I tell people when they, when they go in and they're struggling and, Stop focusing on the negative. If you, and we, we all do it because we want to make ourselves better, but you go in and you say, well, look at, I got there and I pulled, or I did this and I looked down, or, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And I should have done this instead, or I just keep knocking the barrels. And I went through that with shooter because we'd either win or we'd knock to win. And I started in and saying like, man, I just hope I don't knock. If I can just get through here and not knock. And then I just kept knocking barrels. Mm-hmm. And so I challenged to go instead with a positive attitude okay no matter what happens I'm coming out and I'm saying the good things about my run and if all I can come up with was well I didn't fall off today <laughs> then 
and I'm and I can watch my video if it's bad once and I delete it off my phone because I would yeah. watch it four or five times in a row and tear it apart and just tear myself apart and feel terrible about it. And I got to the point where I didn't even want to go anymore. Mm-hmm. And so my mom would say that to me. Well, if you hate it that much, stop going. And then I would get mad and say, the only thing I want to do is stop telling me not to go. And she's like, I'm going to tell you. But oh, boy. when I started just really picking out the positives, and I saw that in one of my young students, too. She'd go to a rodeo, and I wasn't always with her. And she'd come back, and she'd start listing off the 20 things she did wrong. And I said, okay, Madison, what did you do right? And mm-hmm. so then she started, she'd have to think about it. And I'd say, well, this is what I saw that was right. Mm-hmm. So do you agree? And she'd say, yeah, okay. And then she started, it wasn't very long, it started coming back to me. And she said, well, Christine, this happened and, and I did this and it was really good. Okay, well, that's great. Did she win? No. But she started seeing the positives and getting excited about going barrel racing again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for us when we're trying to compete because it does have to be fun. And not everybody's competitive, competitive but most of us are. We don't like mm-hmm. going down the road and spending money and losing or feeling embarrassed when we leave. So how can we make it better, right? Yeah. Find something good. Go back and do your homework. Have a support team around you and just keep plugging away. And if you get to a point where you're super frustrated, it's okay to take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on the That's head with that one too, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Barrel racing is always going to be there. And sometimes people just need a little mental break for themselves, right? Or like you said, just go and enjoy your horse. Like I remember when I was even like younger and I went and did horse shows, my I'd be so frustrated with my horse happy all the time. And my parents are like, you're not even enjoying your horse. Like you don't even love this. Like go do something where you actually enjoy him. And then that was barrel racing. But, you know, sometimes you just need that. Even a switch of a discipline, right? Yeah. So what other training do you guys offer there at the ranch? Other than barrel racing? Um, well, we, we start people from beginner up. So we've always really believed um, that the beginners and people who have no knowledge and opportunity are fundamental to our industry, right? If we don't get people started, who will? Yep. And I guess I would be the prime example of that, going to the ranch and not basically having any experience. And uh, now here I am and, you know, getting fairly involved and, and having a little bit of success myself. And that would have never happened had I not had the opportunity at the ranch. So, And how many years ago was that now? Um, I don't even know. I guess I said 2010 earlier. I think I actually, I can't even remember now. Gotta but be probably I think I now. moved out here in about 2008 or something. Okay. So I basically probably would have started riding. I mean, I took a few riding lessons from Christine while I was at the ranch and not even so much riding lessons as it was her, Charlene and Lisa pointing and laughing at me while they put me on one of Christine's barrel horses and thought it'd be funny to let me go ride around on this hot jacked up barrel horse. <laughs> go for a leisurely so, jog around the arena. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And they all sit there and point and laugh at me. I'm usually the brunt of all of them. Didn't we put you on Edna too? We had this white horse with hair that's three inches long that looked like a mountain goat. I'm pretty sure you made him ride that one too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of the the prime example, right? I went from zero experience to now helping um, train and ride some horses and I get to rodeo. And had you told me that 
you know, 10 or 12 years ago when I first showed up out here, I wouldn't have been able to name two events at a rodeo, let alone um, say that I'd be competing at them. So it's, uh, that's kind of the prime example of, of what we want to try to do, I guess, is just give back, right? Yeah. I know firsthand what it's like being, being that, uh, I guess, I wasn't necessarily a kid, obviously, when I started. I was in my, I guess, early 20s. And, uh, you know, you just kind of show up to the ranch and there's a sense of excitement and, and you kind of want to be able to be the one that, that helps someone else find that, that excitement and that joy that, that uh, horses can bring. So. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, um, she works at the ranch still too and, and teaches. So she does um, beginner lessons, adults, kids. We start, uh, we have a couple other people that do that too. We run day camp programs for kids in the summer where they come for the week, Monday through Friday for the day and they get to spend a day with the horses. And, and then we've done big groups of like 40 people at a time where they come and do different stations. So they ride, they rope the dummy, they do different stuff. And, and, uh, we do a little bit, like I still teach a little bit of jumping lessons here and there. Mostly I make my barrel racers get in English saddles once in a while, because I think it's good for our core balance and something different for our horses to do. They usually hate me for it, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever make them without stirrups? Oh yeah, all the time. They hate me for that. Awesome. I'm not really a believer. I hate. I don't love when people do elastics because it's like grew up on the safety police thing with uh, my mom. But so I make them ride without elastics or without stirrups and stuff too because I feel Mm -hmm. like you know you need to work on your balance and have that confidence. And you know, then Jeff does some roping lessons, and uh, I still have a reining and horsemanship class that I do every week and that kind of stuff. So we just try to be really well-rounded. And like I said, the goal is to, to work with people, whatever level they're at and help them achieve the goals that they want to achieve, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I've had people where I have, have a client that's been with me for a lot of years and she was terrified, but wanted to ride. And so, you know, just helping people get over their fears and I don't care if you never go to a horse show, if you feel confident enough to go catch your own horse and saddle and go ride on your own for 20 minutes in the arena, that is the biggest goal of your life. And we've achieved it. And that's fantastic. Right. So I am super competitive and I love the coaching of my competitive students too, but it doesn't have to be about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say from like, from before this conversation, I guess I would have thought you're primarily horse trainer but I'm glad we had this conversation because it sounds like you guys put just as much if not even a little bit more focus on on actually people and getting people involved and and -hmm. teaching us so that's that's cool yeah I love the coaching part and I mean I learned a ton of my barrel racing program and coaching um from Connie Connie Combs she's been very influential in in my life and and my mom was an instructor um when I was growing up too and and she always believed in you know, getting people started and the beginners, that was her passion. And my sister is very good at that too. And so it's kind of been just instilled in me my whole life and helping people. And that's what the ranch was started for. And, and I have to remind myself sometimes um, a little bit more about that because I do love the horses. And for me, like I could be just around horses all day too, but Mm -hmm. yeah, finding that, that balance. And, and I, and I get the training is, and I want people to 
be able to do what they can with their horses. And ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day, not everybody can pay me to ride their horse and run their horse for a year or two, right? It's got to go back to them at some point. So how can we bridge that gap sooner so that it's financially feasible for people? And when the horse goes back, I want people to have success with their horses. So they have to understand, you know, the horsemanship end of things and the program and stuff too. So if we can work together, the sooner we can do that, the better. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you guys take any interns or? Uh... <laughs> we do actually. Okay, I'll uh, I'll come be an intern and I can do your eyelashes. How does that sound? <laughs> I don't need you to. <laughs> Jeff's in. <laughs> oh man. I'd offer you could tweeze his eyebrows. He loves that. Okay. Hey, that's like a deal. Pack my bag. He's rolling my quarantine. <laughs> oh boy. So, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Stevie. <laughs> okay, so going, um, focusing more on the roping a little bit, Jeff, can you take us through introducing a horse to the roping pen from box work to tracking a steer? Uh, yeah, sure. I just um, try to do lots of slow stuff to start. Um, obviously, you just try to make sure the horse is, is broken up in the first place. Um, so I'll try to get a good foundation on them, get them to the point where I feel like I can neck rein them and, uh, you know, basically feel like you're in, in control and, and can do things slow and steady. Um, so I like to use Smarty, the Smarty or Helomatic, any kind of whole type dummy like that. Um, we use a Smarty lots. Uh, so today, even we were out this morning, just working a couple of the young ones on the Smarty, just you know, take 20 minutes here and there and just give them a 20-minute session on the Smarty, build their confidence a little bit, um, and uh, just kind of try to bring them along slow that way. And uh, those training tools are, are so nice in that respect. I mean, it's, I, don't, I, I have a huge amount of respect for guys that used to train, train rail horses on live cattle when they didn't have these pull-type dummies and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's challenging enough when you can do things slow and steady all the time. So, um, again, I just try to try to do it in a way that builds the, the horse's confidence and, and not try to get them too stressed out right off the bat. I mean, it's, uh, kind of the same thing, I guess, as Christine in the, in the barrel racing, you just kind of want to teach them their, their job and make sure they're, you know, looking for that cow and enjoying it and paying attention. And then, I mean, roping is tough enough. There's a lot of stuff going on. So if you're trying to worry about your horse and worry about roping and worry about what the steer is going to do, it's just way too much going on. So I like to just try to take my time and, and get them going really good on the Smarty. And then same thing in the box, you know, I'll just kind of, um, with young stuff, you know, just take them in and out of the box and uh, try to make it as stress-free as possible, I guess don't run a lot of steers out of the box until they can go stand in there and just relax. And, uh, I'm lucky that we have, um, Christine's mom's place to ride at. And during the day I have time where I can actually take the time with horses. So if I need to score a bunch of steers or, or just get them in the box and let them stand, I just try to do lots of that stuff. Just, uh, just make it as easy on them as possible. And in the long run, it just makes it easier on you. Right. I mean, if they're quiet and, and cool and calm and relaxed, then it's just going to make things that much easier for you. So that's kind of just try to take it step by step and 
and not really try to rush things. I mean, it's easy to get into that that mentality sometimes. Um, you know, you have expectations for a horse. You kind of want them to be at a certain point, but the more you do it, I mean, I'm still new enough to it. You you learn uh, pretty quick that you know just taking a few extra minutes here and there puts you that much further ahead in the long run, right? If you can just keep it easier on them. So yeah, that's kind of just try to make it easy and stress-free and build on each day when we go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jeff, um, is there a particular age where you want to start to tie off or dally off a horse? Like how do you know when they're structurally ready for being tugged on by something like that? Usually, I mean, uh, I don't rope on anything. I mean, today, um, Iceman, what is he, three. And uh, so we've just started roping the Smarty on him. So usually what we do with the three-year-olds, kind of get them going on the Smarty. Um, they're not, you know, we're not doing anything at high speed or, or anything like that. We're just kind of getting them used to it. We'll rope it a little bit and usually just kick them back out you know, after they've had it, you know, a month or whatever, just kind of wherever they're at, just same thing, just kind of try to build their confidence and then let them go have some time to grow up mentally and physically, right? I mean, you don't want to put too much stress on them when they're too young. Um, It just kind of, every horse is a little bit different, obviously. So um, I don't usually rope any cattle on anything till they're in their four-year-old year. Um, just to give them a, a, a chance to to grow up mentally and physically, right? Um, especially me being a little bit taller, I they have to be a decent size for me able to me to be able to ride them, anyways. So it's um, kind of how I do it. Just um, they, I'll let them, you know, feel the weight of the smarty a few times. But again, we're not really going fast enough to really put a big a big pull on the saddle or anything when we're on them that age. So. Um, yeah, just usually when they're about four, they're in their four-year-old year, we'll kind of bring them in and, and introduce them to tracking some slower cattle and stuff. And then same thing, you know, if we need to go back to the Smarty, we will. And, and we kind of just work work their way up. I mean, they kind of tell you when they're ready and and you kind of got to wait for that that signal that you know that they're they're feeling confident enough to do it and that you're confident enough in them to do it. So. I wouldn't really say there's a, a specific age, but I don't really rope any live cattle at all until they're in their four-year-old year. While we're on the roping topic, we may as well just keep on with our roping questions, mm-hmm. hey? Okay. Yeah. So how did you first get it, get started specifically into roping from riding, Jeff? Um, basically at the ranch again, um, obviously being around, got a little bit more confident in my riding. Um, and kind of saw that they did some roping and that interest, uh, you know, kind of got my interest, um, growing up playing hockey and, and being in heavily involved in sports all the time, just to see that little bit more athletic, you know, aspect of things, um, kind of really got me interested. So started just roping, the the dummy at the ranch and, and building off it a little bit here and there when I had time whether it was at the end of the day when I was finished work or Christine's sister was doing some lessons at the time. So if I could make it at, at joining the lessons and kind of got going that way. And then once I got a little bit um, more confident and kind of got to the level where I could rope cows, then Christine's brother, Tim kind of 
took me under his wing and uh, got me going to my first few jackpots and stuff. And then my first summer of rodeo, he um, took me down the road and took me to the care rodeos for the first year. And uh, I headed for him at those. And then the next summer I switched to healing. Um, when I kind of, I started going to trade school to become an electrician and wanted to college rodeo. So I found a partner that I uh, wanted to head. So I just switched to healing and kind of been, been there ever since. So, um, cool. yeah, I guess, um, that's kind of where I got started. And then I was lucky enough to be able to ride some of the horses at the ranch to kind of get started, uh, because I didn't basically own anything for myself at the time. And then when I started rodeo and I got to ride, uh, my father-in-law, Brian's, um, good horses, which when you're first learning makes all the difference in the world to have a horse that knows what he's doing. So, yeah. um, I actually won my first buckle, um, healing at the Kara finals was my first buckle. And I was riding my father-in-law's uh, good yellow horse there. And then I won the Canadian college finals in 2014 on, on that horse as well. So, I was very lucky to have, um, you know, him and Tim and Brian and both in my corner while I was starting out to kind of help me get going and um, definitely wouldn't be, you know, where I am without those guys' help and um, the great horses they lent me. So Very cool. Mm -hmm. Do you do any other events other than team roping? Um, I calf roped. Uh, quite a bit for a couple of years. I haven't been doing it as much the last few years. I kind of, I was starting to get to where I wanted to be a little more competitive in the team roping. And mm -hmm. it's just really hard when you're learning, especially starting later. I mean, it's hard to pick up as quick when you're trying to gain all that ground that other guys have, you know, since they've been little kids and doing it. So yeah. I kind of decided that I needed to pick one or the other. And um, I love calf roping, but around here there's not a whole lot of guys that do it and there's more guys that team rope and it's just a little easier event to practice i mean there's more guys doing it and especially being at the ranch i mean i don't really didn't have a whole lot of guys to practice with there either so calf roping is pretty um, intensive when you're trying to learn i mean you need mm -hmm. somebody to run the shoot somebody to untie calves and and so christine was really good to try to help me with that stuff but at the end of her long work days i didn't really feel like it was fair to make her go out there and wrestle calves and, and try to help me with that. So, it hurts when I kick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I, I had to make the decision if I wanted to really, you know, focus on one thing and, and try to improve at it or kind of try to do everything. And I mean, it also does get expensive. So um, kind of had to take a step back for a little bit. So mostly just been team roping the last little bit, but now, um, with the breakaway rope and coming back in and, and getting hyped up so much, I've been doing a few breakaway rope and clinics for, um, you know, people, same thing that are just starting out or need a refresher. Mm -hmm. um, I'm no expert by any means, but same thing. I just, I really enjoy helping people get that start because I was there not too long ago myself. So, yeah. um, really enjoy teaching people and, and seeing, seeing them progress. And, uh, so I've been doing a few breakaway rope and clinics and, it has kind of been in the back of my mind, making me want to start roping calves again, but we'll see, see how it goes. And, and, uh, maybe we'll, I do have a pretty nice calf horse. So we'll see maybe this summer I'll, I'll hit a few rodeos again and mm -hmm. see if I can park that up again. But it's kind of one of those things. It's, 
it's uh, you got to do what you can and yeah. you kind of can't run yourself too ragged trying to do everything. So exactly. Mm-hmm. And hey, what so about, Chris- oh. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and what about Christine? Do you do any breakaway at all? Um, not much anymore. When I college rodeoed, I team roped and breakawayed. I made the finals, the college rodeo finals heading and breakaway roping and was reserve champion the one year in the breakaway. But I don't know. I, the last few years, I just have put all my focus. Same thing. It's hard when you're trying to do everything for a while. I was still showing horses and trying to make barrel horses and maturities and rodeos and stuff. And so I just felt like I needed to kind of pick something. So I let the reining go about three or four years ago and, and kind of practice roping a little bit in the winter for fun. But my roping skills are very lackluster right now. <laughs> so I need to give, I need to get some lessons myself from Jeff again someday, but it has crossed my mind now that breakaway is picking up. And like Jeff said, he has a super nice calf horse. Um, so I have like a really, really nice breakaway horse at the, my fingertips if I wanted to go. But yeah. when I'm taking four or five horses to jackpots every week and then we're rodeoing and he's entering two events. And if I'm going to start entering two events, financially it gets a little straining. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I don't know if I'll go back there again. Maybe someday. You guys guys have to start a team, uh, team roping on on, uh, famous playboy babies. Do you find people like they want to send their horse for barrel training, but maybe they, and you know, in the days off, they request a little bit of rope training too. Do you guys offer something like that? We've had a couple that, that have come and I do like, you know, three days a week and Jeff rides them a couple of days a week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a ton. And it depends on the type of year. Cause when Jeff gets busier with his shoeing, then it's hard right. for him to commit to the training as well so then usually that time of year we just kind of focus on our own but yeah we've mm-hmm. talked about trying to take on a few more and especially in the winter because Jeff really enjoys that mm-hmm. have you guys checked out Equifuse Canada yet for everything mane and tail if so use our code horseport10 at checkout to save yourself 10% so Christine you participate quite a bit in the futurity world can you give us a time frame for the different stages of training you take your futurity horses through? Well, to be honest, I still feel like I'm trying to figure out the futurity game a little bit. <laughs> um, I always joke with people and say that my I don't always do that well or as well as I'd like at the futurities, but my horses tend to come on a little bit better as derby horses. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is because I I ride so many for other people too. And I don't get a ton of outside horses that come for the futurities because it's a big commitment for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my own horses, they haven't always gotten the time and focus that they've needed while they're younger because everybody else's horses get prior priority. Right. Um, and some of the, the Sunita bred horses that I've rode in the past that we've raised uh, just tend to be a little bit later matures. So not always ready to handle the pressure and stuff as a five-year-old, which I've always been totally fine with because at the end of the day, I I want a horse that lasts. So I'd like to do well when they're younger, but I don't want something to break down mentally or physically. I have always said that I kind of want to rodeo and, and make rodeo horses for myself. And I want to make good open horses for others 
too. Yeah. So if they if they do well in the futurities, that's great. Um, but it's not really a necessity for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that, that being said, I am always challenging myself. And like I said, I'm competitive. And if I'm going to go and spend the money, I like to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> in the past couple of years, I've just had to shift shift my priorities a little bit or just time manage better because I went through a stage where I kind of got mad at myself again, where I'd show up at a futurity and feel frustrated with my horses that they weren't performing like I felt they should be. But really it was my fault because, and then I always joke with my friend Lisa and say, you know, we go to these things and she's got really nice horses and, and she's been a great client for a lot of years. And I get to ride a lot of her really nice horses, but they, you know, like we go to, go to these competitions and, I'm been riding her horses and she goes out and beats me all the time. Like that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of is because her horses are prepared and mine haven't been. So (laughs) if I want my horses to do well, then I need to put the time in them that I've put in hers. Mm -hmm. So finding that balance um, and for the horses, just letting them come on as they're ready. Right. Futurity is really tough because you have to have them peak at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not the same for every horse. So figuring that out and and knowing kind of when to push them and and if they're doing fantastic in the beginning, does that mean that they're going to go through like their valley when you want, like when you're at the big races, or do you keep it a little bit lighter in the start so you can peak them at the big races? Are they going to be ready to handle the pressure if you're not taking them to a bunch of stuff? And those are just kind of a bunch of unknowns. And so right now, I my four year old is my hula guy is further along than any of my security horses in the past have ever been, mm-hmm. um, which is honestly scaring me a little bit because I'm worried that I might have him in a valley by the time we get to a year and a half. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, but he hasn't really gone that much, but I've just got to like ride him a ton and we've roped on him a little bit and I'm letting him grow up and then he, he comes in for a bit and then he has a break for a bit and, and I just kind of let the horses tell me what they need. And if they're ready to go, we go. And mm-hmm. if they're not ready to go, we don't go. My yellow horse, Astra, that uh, lots of people probably know because she's pretty flashy. Mm-hmm. And her name gets screwed up all the time. I love that her name. name. Me too. Supersonic Astronomic. Last <laughs> year as I went to uh, ride into one of the derbies, it was uh, Supersonic catastrophic (laughs) (laughs) so it made me laugh and relax before I ran and I thought well that's not what I'm going for but maybe sometimes we are yeah (laughs) Uh, but she was was very fractious and super high stress and intense and I never thought I would get her to a fraternity like I and it didn't matter I just thought I'm not entering anything. We're going to take it one run at a time and see how she handles stuff. I late entered every futurity and she was the most successful futurity horse I've had in a long time. And she just decided that was her job and was where she felt most secure and went to work. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but futurities, I don't know if I have the answer because it's a, it's a challenging game. Oh, Oh, no, that was that was an awesome answer. I actually want to go back to what you said about having them peak at the right time. So do you believe that there's like a certain time in each season or like in their career where they they really do peak if you're competing hard? 
Well, the dirty horses, like colts, they just go through ups and downs in the process, right? Like, yeah. Um, I have a really nice black horse in my mom's kiwi that I ride too, and she is what I call her a typical black mare all the time because she's very opinionated and strong-willed, and she last fall when we started being able to enter them winter, December, whatever, she felt way better than Astra did at that point or any of my other horses. Like she was easy. She was coming on fast. She was clocking really good. But then when it came time to hit the first maturity, she decided she just needed to run fast and didn't have to slow down to turn and nobody could tell her any different. (laughs) So then we went through the, okay, well now we have to go backwards and I have been just taking things, just saying, okay, no, no speed. I don't ask you for any run. You need to just be slow and correct. Cause I know that horse has all of the talent in the world, but she's also a half sister to shooter who as a security horse was a disaster. And <laughs> so yeah, oh yeah. Shooter was embarrassing as a security horse. <laughs> but well, she redeemed out herself. Of, out of, <laughs> pardon me. She redeemed herself. She did. Yeah. But no, <laughs> out of that mother peppy are just later to mature mentally and so i just need to remember that i've wrote enough of them that i don't let it bother me and i just make them take it slow because when they get it they take it very seriously and they're very good at it yeah um like shooter as a maturity horse i knocked more barrels than i ever got around clean at the northlands maturity i took first barrel with me to second barrel oh my (laughs) And she would not run. Like, I don't even know why I went. Like, it was just everyone I left, I was embarrassed. My mom my mom is very supportive, though. And, and I get to go with horses because she always has horses and sends me down the road. And yeah. and she's just like, well, it's okay. She'll get it figured out. Just keep going. I'm like, Mom, it's so embarrassing. I don't know why you want me to go. <laughs> and then I was pretty sure we were going to sell her because um, she's more reigning bred than ever, anything. She's not that big. I didn't know if she was going to actually be fast enough, but we decided to go to a couple of derbies, and then all of a sudden, she just started winning. Like, something changed in her, and a fire lit in her belly, and I still hit a lot of barrels, but at least when we get by them, we if we were clean, we'd win. Yeah. And then next year, as a seven-year-old, we were more consistent, and kind of started to figure her and her personality out and started rodeoing on her a little bit too. And, and uh, yeah, it just took her a little bit longer. So, I mean, every horse is a little different when they're in the peak. And, and I think you just got to listen to the horse. And sometimes, you know, when not the right horse for you and it's time to move on. And sometimes you just know that there's something there that's worth going on and working through some of those valleys. Mm-hmm. You don't, and you just wing it until you figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) They can be a mystery, that's for sure. Yeah, that's why I love them so much, because no two days are ever the same, and no horses are ever exactly the same, and I'm always learning. Like, I've had a lot of very influential people in my life that have taught me a lot and helped me get to where I am. But I always say that I have learned just as much from the horses. If If you listen to the horses, they will teach you a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I kind of have a question going on to that. Um, has there been uh, a horse that has taught you the most lessons as well as who's your biggest mentor? Um, well, I've had a lot of influential horses in my life, like from different disciplines and stuff. And I always say that 
every horse is a stepping stone to the next. So if I had gotten, you know, shooter when I started barrel racing, she probably wouldn't be where she is today because I wouldn't have had the knowledge. She would have been too much horse or whatever, right? But one of the the most important horses in my career is Homer. And so his name, his registered name is Drydox with Flash. And I actually had the opportunity to own him. Um, but at the time I had 10 other horses and I was trying to make it like as a trainer and I couldn't take on another one. And I felt like I, I owned him. I wouldn't ride him anyways. And so I sold him to a client or helped, I helped facilitate the sale to a client. And then she put him in training with me. So then I got to ride him anyways, which was worse because then I was so mad at myself for not buying him. <laughs> and then I spent the next three or four years trying to buy him from her and she wouldn't sell him to me. <laughs> and when, when I finally got him, it was still really good because I had had the opportunity to train him. So I knew him, um, but it was still a learning curve, but he is the horse that made me, he taught me how to win. Right. He was, and he was very, he's a very strong free runner. And so, like I said, coming from the reigning pen where things are very controlled, um, it was difficult because he always felt like he was going to be a runaway, but the more you pulled on him, the more he'd run away. So he really taught me how to ride the horse's body mm-hmm. and let off their face and let them work. Um, and yeah, he taught me, he taught me how to win. He taught me how to train. He gave me confidence. He was the horse that she rode the year that her mom was so sick. And so he just kind of carried her through that whole ordeal. And I'm pretty sure that was the year she went on the entire rodeo season, never knocked a single barrel. Oh, wow. Hmm. Made the Lakeland that year. So that horse just kind of, you know, picked her up in one of her toughest, toughest moments, I guess. Right. So. And yeah, Jeff always, he always jokes, but I think he's a little bit serious. And he says that I love Homer more than him. I just tell him it's a different <laughs> No, joking. He definitely loves him way more. No, it's just love. Yeah. Oh, and, then, and then uh, two years ago now, I guess, when he was, cause he's 22 now. So um, I sold him when he was 19 and I cried for four days. Poor Jeff had to put up with me and I was a mess and I didn't know if it was the right thing to do, but then I just felt like I needed to get off of him so I could get on some of my young stuff and give them the opportunity to shine. And, and, but I had told the lady um, when he left that I wanted the first opportunity to have him back when she was done with him. Cause I knew that he wouldn't be needed in her life for a long period of time, but it was what was needed to happen at that time. He actually Selling him helped us be able to purchase our first house together and stuff too. So, um, yeah, he just, he's, inf- he's been an influence in my life and an important part of my life in so many other areas besides just the competition world too. But then he came back to me last year. Um, and it's probably crazy for taking back a 20 year old horse or two years ago, I guess, cause he's 22 now, but I just, he doesn't owe me anything. And, I wanted to make sure that he was taken care of and he still is competitive and wants to go. Mm-hmm. So I decided that this year me and Homer are going back to the rodeos. He's going to be my number one. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have rodeos. 
Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That's cool. Though. But that was my plan. That Homer is going to be my number one, and I'm just going to go back to remembering why I do this and yeah. do it with the horse that I love. And I think it's really important to have a horse always as a trainer um, in your in your trailer that gives you confidence and that you can win on because he makes me ride my other horses better because I'm always on something that's fast and I got to stay out of his way and let him do his job. So it reminds me to do that with my colt. And when, as a trainer, competitor, when you're on something that catches people's eyes, it makes them watch you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes people take a look and, and if they like what they see, then hopefully they give me a chance. But. Yeah. That'll be a cool story. You rodeoing on Homer. I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yeah. So when shopping for prospects, is there a difference when looking in the barrel pen versus the roping pen? Um, not really. I mean, for us, um, we kind of try to do both on them most of the time anyways. Uh, so not necessarily it's, uh, we just try to get, get all the young stuff going that we can. And then we kind of pick and choose as, as we get them going and see which ones feel like they kind of have that that fire to do it and uh, the ability to do it. So um, you don't necessarily, uh, I mean, I guess we don't really buy a ton of outside horses either. We try to just get a bunch of stuff going that's at the ranch and and try to get them out for people to see. And uh, so we just kind of try to try to get them all going and and see which ones feel like they want to take the next step and keep going. And for me, that's kind of, kind of what I go with, I guess. He gets whatever I let him have. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a lot of likes the cow Like, both of us like the cow horse breeding, so um, that's sort of the way that we go. I like those bloodlines, and I know some of them, and, and like I said, I'm trying to add a little bit more run into some of them for the, the barrel pen now, but we've always had burst cow horses, right? And so for me, with with my mom and her, the horses that she's raised, that's been what she's wanted. It's something that anybody can ride and they can kind of go do everything. So that's kind of just part of my nature is I want them to be able to do a little bit of everything because that's what has been instilled in me. But also when you're trying to be competitive, you've got to look at, you know, the, the physical abilities and stuff and mental abilities that's going to help them succeed or excel in one discipline or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, we raise horses, we kind of think about crossing them certain ways for what we want. And then as they grow and mature, then look at them and, and kind of get them going and put them in, in the direction they want to go. But definitely. So Jeff, do you do any competing in the rope futurities yourself? Um, I did a couple years ago. Um, it was the first time I've ever, shown uh, done any kind of showing at all um obviously rodeoed and jackpotted but to be showing where you're judged it was pretty nerve-wracking for me um especially when you're roping against you know a lot of the guys you look up to in the industry and and uh it was it was kind of a neat experience um i maturityed on astra i showed her at the northland maturity mm-hmm. and uh my good done horse that i have now i maturityed him the same year um and it was kind of neat and kind of a confidence builder for me too because astra is christine's mom's horse and 
who the done horse I ride now was my father-in-law's horse at the time. So they both trusted me enough. Um, even, you know, with being a relatively, uh, newcomer to the, the sport and the industry, they still trusted me enough to take the horses and show them. So that was, um, first of all, I guess a kind of a confidence booster for me to know that they trusted me enough. Um, uh, it didn't go as well as I'd hoped. Um, the horses worked pretty good. My nerves got the better of me, so I didn't show them as good as, as they, uh, they should have been shown, but it was a really neat experience and has kind of been, uh, just a stepping stone for me to know that, you know, you can kind of, again, come from, you know, not even knowing what the team roping industry is to, you know, in a matter of seven or eight years, be able to have the opportunity to show some horses. So it's definitely something that I really love doing. I haven't uh, had any other horses in the last couple of years to show, but that's definitely a goal of mine, especially now with Sprocket. I'd love to be able to get some of his babies going and, and show them, but um, it's definitely something I'd like to do more. I really do enjoy training and, uh, and, you know, getting to try to showcase some of the horses that we have. So that's definitely in the books, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting to be able to do it and you get to meet so many good people along the way and, and, you know, have the opportunity to rope against those guys and, and learn from them is, is pretty neat too. So. Yeah. And then uh, mom has a pretty nice mare that Jeff started riding. So, I mean, as she got ready, mom would send her and then our little Iceman horse, I think will be pretty cool too. when he comes around. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. What if they're still for rope horse maturities now that Northland's shut down? Um, well, faucets put theirs on um, in the fall usually. So I'm, I'm hoping that they continue to do that. And uh, we'll see. I mean, they used to have it at Northland, but now with um, CFR moving, they, I don't think they really had much last year. I think Katie Vincent put one on her and Logan at Penoka last year, but I'm not sure what's in the books for this year. So we'll have to wait and see, but. Hopefully they, they give us a spot to keep trying to show them and, and keep growing the industry for sure. Is rope horse uh, futurities similar to barrels where you can show them in their four or five-year-old year? Yeah. So four and five-year-olds and then um, faucets opened it up to six-year-olds for theirs as well. So I guess it'd be kind of similar to the, the derby aspect of, of barrel racing in that respect. Okay. So it's it's been kind of good that you can, uh, you know, show them for a couple of years and kind of see the progress over those couple of years. And, and there's been a lot of really, really nice horses that guys up here have have uh, trained and, and shown at the maturity. So it's pretty exciting to see the high caliber horses that, that are coming right out of our backyard up here. So Definitely. Yeah, so we were actually have just it, uh, talking I about the Northlands one. We wondered if it was still going on. But maybe not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what their plans are. It's a little tough. I mean, with everything um, being in Red Deer, it's hard to get get you know that kind of crowd. I think back up here, which is too bad. It was a really neat event, and and uh, hopefully that they uh, we can come up with some more events and and you know keep it going. That's for sure. So, do you, both of you guys have tips and tricks? For newbies and amateurs getting into the fraternity game in both disciplines? Um, I would say find a program that makes sense and works for you and then stick to it. You know, sometimes 
sometimes we're trying to learn and so you're trying to change things all the time and and it's not necessarily like because you're doing something wrong that you're not progressing sometimes you just need a little more time so if you find something that makes sense and you stick with it um, then you're going to see better success also don't be afraid to ask for advice so find somebody you trust and that you can you know kind of use as a sounding board um, and remember that horses are humbling, especially colts. So you need to be prepared for some setbacks along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, doing well at the securities is exciting, but I know that it's just a building building block to making a solid horse, and that's what's really important for me in the long run. Perfect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. totally. And how about you, Jeff? Um, honestly, I'm I'm kind of a newbie, you know, my myself. So I just uh, I guess kind of the same thing, right? I mean, you, you got to go at some point and, and challenge yourself, but you have to remember why you're doing it. And that's kind of been a, a big struggle for me the last couple of years. It's always been, you know, my attitude and my mental mental game, I guess, right? Coming from hockey or baseball or whatever, it's just you and, and a hockey stick and a puck. With roping, you know, you got yourself to worry about, your horse, you got your steers, team roping, you got a partner to worry about. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So, I mean, you just kind of got to go in there with the mentality that you you have to set yourself up and work hard in, in the practice pen and, and kind of build your, your uh, foundation. And then when it's time to go compete, you just got to go and, and trust in your, in, in your, um, in the foundation you've set. So I guess my biggest piece of advice is, is uh, kind of something one of my hockey coaches told me actually was work hard in practice and play in the game. When you get to the game or the competition, it's not your time to second guess yourself or try to fix things at that point there. You're there to enjoy it and compete. It's not, it's not practice. It's not tweaking things. It's just, you know, go and go and enjoy the moment. You've worked hard for it, so just go and and enjoy it. And that's something I've kind of been struggling with, and I've really tried to change my mentality on myself. You know, you you work hard, you put the time and effort in. You got to trust that um, that time and effort you put in is going to come back and and uh, all come together for you. And at the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't. But again it's all part of that process. And I mean, we're pretty lucky to get to do it. We, we do. So you got to remember that at the end of the day that you're, you're getting to do something that not, uh, not everyone gets to do. So you kind of got to take the good with the bad and, and uh, just really enjoy, enjoy it. Well, while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I actually kind of have a question for you, like in the team roping side, just because we might have some listeners that are uh, just getting into it. Mm-hmm. So in team roping, there's like a whole different other mental game because you actually have another partner when it comes to barrel racing, like we have our horse as a partner or any other rodeo event. But with team roping, yeah, you have another guy that or a woman that you're, work, you're roping with. So mm-hmm. how do you deal with the stress or like, oh my God, if, what if I miss again and she keeps catching or she keeps catching and I don't? How do you work through something like that? Because I feel like that'd be a, a really hard, especially when there's money and entry fees involved. Oh, hundred percent. And and I think uh, for me personally, that was probably the biggest biggest struggling or or um, challenge that I had starting out. Um, like I kind of referred it to hockey, right? I mean, 
mm-hmm. the tough thing about it. Hockey, you know what, you might mess up on, you know, one shift while you have 30 more shifts that game to redeem yourself. Team rope, yeah. if you mess up on your first run, well, guess what? You might have a 10-hour drive back <laughs> home to think about messing up. So that's why it's it's really mentally tough, right? I mean, you don't have a second chance at it to go, go, go make it right. And sometimes what goes on is completely out of your control and it might not even be your fault. But um, I think the importance in, in team open is just knowing and finding a guy that has the same, same mentality as you and, and discuss it with them. You know, you got to be on the same page and you got to be open. And uh, it's like any kind of partnership, whatever, right. You need to talk it, talk it out when things aren't going good or, you know, and, and uh, when things are going really great, you got to talk it out too and, and kind of figure out what's making it go so great. But in terms of, you know, getting stressed out about missing, you got to remember that, that everyone's going out there every time to do their best. They're not going out there to miss on purpose. And uh, you got to remember that, right? I mean, your partner, 90% of the time, they're not going to be, or a hundred percent of the time, they're not going to be worried that you missed it. You're going out there to try and win. Nobody's going out there to, to, to miss on purpose. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing, you know, I try to tell myself or, or anyone getting into it. I mean, you're all in it for the same reason. You're, you're going out, A, you should be doing it because you enjoy it. And when it doesn't go your way, it's not like you went out there and did it on purpose. So same yeah. thing, you just, you know, you, uh, you got to trust in your partner and trust in your horses and, and uh, go out there and try to do the best you can. And if it doesn't go your way, there's, there's one, the most important one is the next one. You hear guys say that all the time. So, um, that mess is behind you and I am very bad at, at dwelling on those myself. So that's, you know, kind of one of the biggest struggles I have. And I think a lot of guys do is that's what separates the, the, the top guys from the rest of us that are trying to get to that level, right? They're able to forget about that last run that didn't go their way and they go make the next one, you know, make the best run they can in the next one. And that's, I think, I honestly think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing you got to remember, right, is is uh, the last one doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's the next one that you got. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Going that's a good way to one. put it. Because yeah, I'm, I'm sure the person that you're roping with is definitely a huge like just even the drive home after you miss. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, right? you kind of rely on them to to be you know the the cheerleader for you when you're down, right? I mean, yeah, it's important to have somebody that they know you're down. You can be down for. I roped with uh, Chad Kurtz this last year, and he was really good at that. I missed a few that I definitely shouldn't have, and he just kind of made a point to say, you know what, you can you can be frustrated for your couple minutes after the run, but then it's over and done with, and and you don't worry about it anymore. So he was really good at, at kind of preaching that to me and, and getting my head on straight. So um, I think that's just important for everyone to to know. That's mm-hmm. the kind of partner you need, for especially sure. when you're just like when you're just coming up through the program too yeah exactly it's it's a battle that guys go through at every level it doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you're at the top you're going to miss steers and yeah and you're going to feel bad and you're going to want to be frustrated about it but that's where the whole you know spend the time in the practice pen working at fixing it and and worry about the next one so yeah. So in roping, like, is it common for for guys to switch partners or do you usually have the same partner for like years um, it depends. I mean, um, 
when things are going good, you'll see guys roping with the same guy year after year. And, and some years you'll see guys switch partners a couple of times. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, right? I mean, if you get on a roll, you kind of want to ride that hot streak. And uh, if things aren't good, sometimes all it just takes is, you know, you, you switch up partners and, and, you know, you kind of have a little spark and both of you just feel refreshed when you, you know, just change the scenery sometimes, right? It's like anything. Sometimes you get kind of stuck in a, a funk or whatever and just the slightest little thing, some guys will change up and then all of a sudden they're on fire. And and so it's, uh, it, I guess it totally depends. I mean, mm-hmm. um, like I say, some guys rope together for a lot of years and other guys rope together for half a year and it doesn't work out and, and they still rope together at jackpots and stuff, but maybe at the rodeos they switch up guys and just try to change their luck. It's a lot of the time I think it's, it's more a case of that, right? I mean, the team open community is pretty small, so everyone kind of becomes good friends. So yeah. most of the time, I think it's so just trying to, to you know, change your luck up and then um, see what you can do just by mixing up partners sometimes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Jeff, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how the, the jackpot side of roping works, especially with the different numbers and getting paired up with different ropers at different numbers. Uh, it can kind of be confusing in that way too. And then you can actually explore different partners by going through those stages as well, right? Yep, you bet. Um, so when you're going to jackpot, there's a, a numbering system. So um, different different associations, there's kind of more so one numbering system now. They're, they're kind of moving over with the World Series of Team Roping becoming so big. They kind of have a numbering system and then uh, up here for Canadian ropers, they have the team rope in Canada numbers for jackpots up here. So um, there's basically a, a, a governing body that kind of watches over and and um, will keep an eye on guys. And once obviously you start having more success, your number will get bumped um, as you you know as you climb the ranks and stuff. So um, that's kind of your goal is to just kind of keep climbing that ladder and keep improving. So. When you start out, most of the time, they'll start you out as a two, and uh, then you just kind of work your way up from there. So um, once you get to the top level, um, you can get, like, number 10 healers and, and number nine, nines and 10s or nine nine pluses and 10s. Those are kind of your top top dogs. They've been there, done that, and, and uh, yeah, so that's what everyone's striving for. And then as far as the numbering system, um, you'll see – the jackpots where they say it's a number 12 equalized or a number 10 or a number eight. So basically what they're saying, um, or you get the higher number ones, there's 15s and then open roping. So open ropings are for, um, pro guys or anyone can enter it for that matter. But basically there's no number cap on it. Um, and then you come down and usually there's about 15 and a 14 and a 13 and so on. And down to usually a seven or eight is the the lower end of the roping. So basically what that means is as a team, you can add up to that number. So if it's a 12 roping, you could have a a six header and a six healer roping together or uh, um, a four and an eight, that kind of thing. So um, it just evens the playing field. So when guys are, are getting into the sport, it gives them an opportunity. You're not just trying to go to an open roping and compete against guys that are you know doing it for a living so 
It's just a way like the, the one, two, three, four D in barrel racing. It's just a way to even it up. So everyone feels like they have a chance to go and win. Right. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, and, and, uh, through the winter, most of them are around here are 10, 10, 10 to 12 roping and they equalize it up and down, which means you can be higher than a number 12 team, but they'll add time on as you get above the 12. And when you're below the 12, they take a bit of time off. So it just allows guys of all levels to rope at the same roping and still gives everyone the same shot basically at winning. So it's, it's pretty neat system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess if you struggle with adding the one, two, three, and 40, go to try roping jackpot because your guys just sound a lot more competing. (laughs) Yeah. At least there you don't have like the, uh, well, I guess you kind of have the time splits, but they have it all, all figured out. So it's, like I said, it's a certain amount of time added on. Um, for the higher number teams and a certain amount of time taken off. So it is definitely a little confusing. And, uh, but once you get on to it, it's the same as anything. And, and it just provides a, a chance for people to win no matter what level they're at. So it's, it's really nice for people starting out and, and even for guys that are higher numbered when they can go and rope year round and, and, uh, it just evens the playing field. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know like, I knew a little bit about it, but not everyone does that's listening to this podcast. So it's great to get like a breakdown. And it, like, even though I knew a little bit about it, it was still pretty confusing to me. And that made me understand it a lot more. Yeah. I know yeah. That. And I mean, it's, uh, even for me, it's still, I'm relatively new enough to it. That I'm still learning along the way too. So it's, uh, like I said, it's just kind of fun to be able to, to help other people learn and, and get involved in the industry. So. Mm-hmm. So, um, changing topics a bit here, if that's okay. (laughs) Speaking for most barrel racers, I think when I say that everyone likes to hear what everyone else is feeding, can you tell us a bit about your general feed program on your ranch? Um, we've always tried to keep it pretty simple. Like everybody has good hay, water, um, salt mineral, their basics. And then depending what the horses are doing, kind of go from there. Our performance horses um, either are on rolled barley or whole oats, kind of depending what they need mentally. Um, and then Jeff and I have been using Elite 3 for a few years now. And so we've been really happy with that feed program. So we use the hemp oil. Um, I really like the bodybuilder, uh, the cool for my intense mares is really good for their minds um and then they have a product called evolve that's really good for their joints and guts and brains and stuff too so uh yeah just kind of depending on what the horse is doing how hard they're hauling um what kind of keeper they are we make a program with those products Mm -hmm. to add to our our basics um yeah so how do you determine what horse you would have on oats versus barley? Yeah. Um, so I always thought that barley was a hotter feed and that never wanted to feed it to any of my like hotter type horses, but yeah. actually I that whole oats is more hot. Okay. So, I mean, whole oats are easier to get, right? Like my mom always has a load come in bulk. So we always have, oats around and lots of it stored so generally everything goes on grain um 
unless they're mentally just don't react well to it. Like mm-hmm. some horses just kind of get really hot on it. Um, so then I, I put those horses on the rolled barley and I've seen, seen lots of success with that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, Cass was on uh, rolled barley before I, I sent her to you. And I actually liked how her mind was on that for sure. Yeah. yeah and we've always said oats and there's most horses are okay, but I've had a few that just kind of get crazy on it. Um, and mm-hmm. Homer, I was a little bit worried about putting on oats because he's kind of hot and full of himself. So I tried the barley with him and, and was really happy. But so I've got just a few of those competition horses that I put on the barley, but the rest just go on, on the oats. And then I just kind of supplement that as we go. And then um, like Sprocket, we put him on alfalfa pellets as well because we typically just feed at the last pace but the studs are always a little bit more challenging especially um, as soon as that first baby hits the ground because they never want to stop pacing right our old stud freedom he was like that too I could have him hog fat and hit baby would hit the ground and he'd be running the fence and couldn't keep weight on him so found that that the alfalfa just giving him the extra protein really helped too so say in tighter times, like maybe right now, um, if you were just to think of the basic things that you wouldn't want your horse to go without in their nutrition program, what would those things be? Um, well, we keep it pretty simple anyway. So like I said, horses need good hay and, and salt and mineral all the time. And I like to give them that little bit of extra anything that's, that's working for sure. Um, physically, they need just the extra calories. So oats and, and barley are cheap. That's why we went to them. I used to feed more of a, a pelleted feed to my performing horses. But I mean, as we all know, those bags of feed start to add up. And when you've mm-hmm. got, you know, we've got probably 10 horses for sure that are working hard all the time. I mean, that adds up really fast too, if everything's on an expensive feed like that, right? Yeah. So um, when we found the Elite 3, it was appealing to me because it's fairly affordable. I mean, you can get a bag, a 50 pound bag of the builder and you only feed a cup or two of that a day. Most of my horses are on half a cup or one cup. So yeah. a 50 pound bag is asked me quite a long time for a few horses, right? Yeah, for sure. So I liked that about it and I liked the results with it. I found it was affordable and we did, did the math on feeding that with oats versus when I was feeding a pelleted seed and the oil and the minerals and the extra things that I was adding to all of it um, was just way cheaper. And the results are great. Mm-hmm. So we're going to head into our rapid fire section. Uh, so they'll just be, maybe you guys can each answer this question, like this has question rather quickly. One of our friends mentioned he loves when people tell us their secret weapon. So do you guys have any piece of equipment, technique, or supplement that makes you feel this way? Um, For me, for controlling my nerves before I run, I sometimes, you might see me sitting there outside and I'll do what I call shaking it out. So I feel myself get tight through my neck and shoulders and sometimes my hands even want to go a little bit numb on me and it's just nerves. So let go of my reins and shake out my hands and then I always just take a deep breath all the way in as I'm going in the alleyway and force myself to push it all the way out because I know that that is going to make me relax and just go ride. Awesome. That's a really good tip. And what about you, Jeff? Um, for me, I just, 
um, my mental game is, is my biggest struggle. So I've just been really trying to, to um, slow it down and uh, take a minute before I, I uh, go in to compete and just say, say a quick thanks. Um, basically say a little prayer and say thanks for the opportunity to compete and, and uh, basically um, just kind of try to be grateful for the, you know, the, the opportunity to compete and, and uh, that's kind of my little moment before I compete just to, to take a moment and be grateful and, and thankful and um, just go from there and just remember, you know, it's, it's all, all part of the process and you're there to have fun. So mm-hmm. just give myself a few minutes before each run and, and uh, be grateful, I guess. Love that. Rodeo or jackpot? Um, both. I always want everything. (laughs) (laughs) I have too many horses and I never want one to sit at home. So I want a rodeo, but you only get to take one horse. And so I like to do the jackpot so nobody gets left out. But I love, I love the rodeo and the atmosphere and going on one horse and just different ground and the crowds and the music and all of that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I kind of say the same thing. I definitely love love both of them, but once you start rodeoing, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it and when you try to explain it to people, they kind of look at you like you're crazy. Like, why are you driving all that way to do that? Like, it's just there's something you can't explain about rodeo once you, you kind of get into it. So I'd say if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with rodeo. Yeah. Perfect. So this one isn't really a rapid fire. I think I was just typing in here. But... <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> so a couple of us here, like we have significant others that are heavily involved in the horse world as well. And then a couple of us here with significant others that aren't involved at all. I'm just wondering if anyone has any, any comments on that, like pros and cons. <laughs> um, for me, I just love that Jeff, found a passion in this like I do because I don't know if it would have worked with us if he didn't because I'm pretty intense about it and (laughs) it is life consuming for me and so I always like when I was younger um, it was my priority and I always said I'm a strong woman I don't need a man to take care of me and I can take care of myself so if I'm going to find a man he's going to have to live up to some pretty high standards and accept me for who I am because I'm not changing and (laughs) just exceeded all of my expectations and <laughs> shares a lot of the same passions and beliefs in me and works really hard too. So it works really well for us. And I'm very grateful that we have this to share together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, I can relate to that for sure. Like I love how Cole and I can share the same extracurricular activities and we have the same passion, but now does that lead into some pretty good fights some days <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say um my cousin he is a trainer and his wife sometimes she's like oh my goodness i just i wish he didn't ride horses or we both didn't ride horses because i just want to go for a nice ride and then jordan's telling me oh you need to have your horse moving like this and you need to do that <laughs> and so they get in some little arguments i think <laughs> Yeah, or it's like, like I think you already mentioned this, Christine, but you're like, I already know I did that wrong. I don't need you to tell me it again because yeah. I already know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've gotten better. We used to have a little bit more trouble helping each other, um, but I think that we're we're learning that we're just there to help and not to judge. 
Yes, that's a good way to put it because I sometimes I feel that way and I'm just like, ah. but no, he's like, it, it's also super handy to have someone that can hop on your horse and show you what you're doing wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some good. And then from the, from the other side, Nadine has told me before, she's like, oh. I'm so jealous that your boyfriend isn't into horses because, like, there's no way I can sneak a five-star saddle pad <laughs> yeah. by him. He knows exactly oh how goodness. much that costs. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, Brendan has no idea. I love that. I know some of you guys, like, when you tell uh, – I'm not going to expose anyone on here, but there has been some price changes or saddle switches that their husband has no clue about or boyfriend. And I can't swing that. Who's that? So, I – I am so into secrecy, I can't tell you. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you off the air. How about that? <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely, like, I can relate how. Like, I was actually telling Cole before we came on the podcast, I was like, I want to be like Christine and Jeff one day. And, like, you guys have such a cool life and such a cool, um, it's so cool that you can show your passion and make that into a job, but it probably doesn't even feel like a job at times because you guys love it so much, right? Yeah, well, it, it, I guess I tell people it's not really a job. It can't be a job. It's more of a lifestyle, right? I mean, there's no set hours, and and you can't say I'm working Monday to Friday. I mean, it's it's a lifestyle for sure. I mean, we're busy, and at times, you know, you miss, you miss out on – on some, you know, family outings or hanging out with friends sometimes, but um, we're pretty lucky in, in the fact that we have a pretty supportive family on both sides and they want to see us succeed and and uh, they're pretty big cheerleaders too, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important that Jeff understands uh, my lifestyle because I'm never home and he's gone a lot too, but if somebody wasn't in the same life, I think that that would be grounds for some, I don't know, animosity or hurt feelings or something, just feeling like they maybe weren't important enough. And I always have to take a moment to remind myself to make time too, because your relationship mm-hmm. is very important and it needs to be the most, most important things. And yeah. sometimes we take our other person for granted because you know that they'll just always be there. But um, yeah, when we first moved into our own place here, I think it was probably eight months before the neighbors ever saw me and they didn't really believe I existed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's always been supportive and if I need him, he's there and something's broken, he can fix it. And yeah, it just, it works well for us. And if I had somebody who didn't understand, I know it wouldn't work because it's not a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm and it sounds sure. like you're pretty handy there, Jeff. You can fix her shoes and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get paid very well. <laughs> I guess so not. Free. I make good dinners. <laughs> Sometimes at midnight. Yeah. yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So this was a question one of our other friends thought maybe we should ask you guys. So if you could each answer, um, if you could have just a huge dreamer goal for your significant other, what would that look like? Um, I guess uh, my my goal for Christine, I, I've been trying to convince her to go rodeo a little, little more. Um, I think she's got so much talent, and I'd love to see her go and, and try to go to the pro rodeos and make the Canadian finals one day because I think 
Um, like I said, she has all the talents in the world. So I'd kind of love to see her, her take some time for herself and, and go, uh, go do that and have some success at that level. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that would be, be my pick. Just kind of see her take some time for herself and go rodeo. Do it. Yeah. I'm on board with that one. <laughs> I know. So I say someday if all the stars align and I have the horse to go on, then I'll go. And I probably do have the horse to go on, but my problem, I like all the horses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, that, one. I think that's what makes you like such an incredible trainer though too, is because you take those horses that are in training and you're putting that above what you're, what you, like, you know, like the, you like you could be a, a Canadian finals winner. You could go on, do all that. Like you're an amazing rider, but you're putting like your training above that. Right. And yeah. And everything for right. Like I, if the opportunity comes, I will take it. And I know what it takes to make a rodeo horse. And when I had the most success on Homer, he was all I had. Mm-hmm. And horse do really well rodeoing, at least for me. I, I mean, I do well jumping from, one horse to the next at jackpots and they all run within hundreds of a second of each other, but rodeo is a little bit different and you've really got to have that, that partnership with your horse and that connection. And you don't get that to the level you need unless you're sitting on a horse. Mm-hmm. And when I just went on Homer, we started winning when Homer got hurt and he was out for part of a season, all I had was shooter. And so shooter had to go and she started winning and then the next I thought, man, I have a nice team of horses now. I'm going to rodeo and I, I'm, nobody's going to beat me. I couldn't yeah. win anything either one of them because they're very different. And then rodeo mentally is so hard. And so then I, if I have more than one horse, I second guess myself all the time. Well, should I run this one? No, maybe I should run that one. Okay, I'm running this one. Then I run that one. I'm like, I should have run the other one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just tough to go, but... Someday, someday I do really hope to kind of find find some time to go do it, and I think that would be really, really great. And, and I know that that's a big goal for Jeff is to be able to to win his seven dollars that he needs to fill his permit. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that's you're so, so close. close. I think it's like six dollars and fifty some cents if you want to get right down to it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> But that gets to carry over for this year, right? Like you still have earned that much and you only need yeah, that Yeah, the more. permit the permit carries over. It's once you try to go from your semi-pro to your pro card that it uh, resets every year. Okay. So yeah, I know that that's a goal for Jeff. And so if, if he could make the CFR, I would be so proud of him and really supportive. And, and if we could do it together, that'd be even cooler. But I was going to say so do it amazing. together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my goal yeah. for you guys. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. team rocking with sprocket yeah. babies. <laughs> That'd be so cool. You guys got to do that now. It's decision is made. <laughs> it's official. It's on the oh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we kind of like to end off each podcast uh, with something funny that you guys have, but like we've been throwing a twist on everything. How about you guys tell us an embarrassing or funny story? about each other that happened either at a rodeo, jackpot, or at home horse training? I don't know that I have any embarrassing <laughs> stories about Chris. No? No. 
I don't, I, I don't think of anything either. Oh, you can't think of hair for me? I thought that would be your Oh, yeah, one. that was a good one. What's going on here with that? <laughs> Jess had this calf horse that every once in a while. Once a year. It was it was literally once a year. He would try something goofy. Yeah, so we're at the Marathorp Rodeo, and he goes out there, ropes the calf so slick, and all of a sudden we realize that his horse is full out bronking. As he <laughs> step off, so he's stepping off, and the horse bronked and launched him through the air. Oh, no. <laughs> he managed to still tie his calf pretty fast, but it was pretty entertaining. Really? Why? <laughs> is there a video of this? There is, it is somewhere. Somebody was just asking me the other day because um, that video that was going around from down south where the Brandon was roping and did a front flip on his. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a buddy of mine, he moved to Texas now, but I know him. So we were talking about that. And then that's where my calf roping story came up. And we were trying to figure out where the video is. But I think Cassie Hausauer had it. Yeah, she videoed it, but I don't know where. I, I had it. I'll have to try to find it. It's not on my find phone. It. It's probably on my Facebook somewhere because it does pop up every once in a while. Well, every year it pops up. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Facebook. So. Oh, yeah. oh I have another one. I just remembered. You have all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> Being the only guy at the ranch, for the most part, around all these barrel racers, I'm usually the brunt of all the jokes. and. <laughs> I tend to do stupid stuff because I get peer pressured into stuff. So usually I'm the one that gets all the the laughter and jokes. We entered him in the men's two years in a row. So the first, oh, I love the it. first year it was the fundraiser, barrel race or whatever. He wasn't going to do it. He was being a no. I I didn't even know until like two minutes before because they didn't tell me. And <laughs> the bars just entered me on their daughter's horse. And they're like, by the way, you're entered. And I was like, no, I'm not. And they're like, no, you're entered. And then they're calling all the contestants. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am entered. So he got he got put on a pretty nice, honest horse. It ran pretty good, like pretty competitive, but not super high-powered. He's pretty easy to run. So he goes out there, and he makes a nice run. I was really proud of him. And uh, so then the next morning, uh, one of our other friends had – come over to our place early in the morning and I get up and I'm making coffee. Well, he, was, he was also entered in it. He also entered it. And he ran one of my horses I had at that time and did pretty good too after he got by his first barrel. And then I get up in the morning making them coffee and I hear them sitting at the table or on the couch there going over their barrel racing runs. <laughs> oh my goodness. And they were like, oh, you know, if I would have just not pulled on him when I got the first barrel, my first <laughs> I and mean, if I had done this and that, I wish I would have done that instead. And I, I can't believe that I still ran pretty good. And it was, oh, it was hilarious. That, that is so crazy. funny. I can't believe that I actually went full barrel racer. Oh yeah, it was, it was priceless. Telling my full Betty barrel racer. Then the next year, we they do it again. So now the only horse I have for Jeff is Homer. Well, Jeff is like six two, and Homer is like fourteen two. Oh, so he's, no. he's like 14 hands. He's little. And so Jeff is worried about breaking his legs, Jeff's legs, not Homer's. <laughs> and so I tell him, I'm like, okay, well, when you go to first barrel, it's going to feel really fast. Don't pull. That if you pull, it's not going to go well. 
trust me, don't pull. He's like, okay. Which I've been known to say as a sideline coach to her, don't pull. Why'd you pull on your horse? So he goes in, starts running to first. His eyes get really big and he starts pulling. Yeah. It's Pinoca. There's a long way to run and it got scary. (laughs) And first barrel didn't go well. Homer (laughs) phantom turned first barrel and then Jeff reset and had a really nice second and third. So then he was mad at himself for pulling, but he never got to redeem himself. That's the last thing. Hopefully I haven't to try to redeem myself. I'm quite happy with that. He keeps telling me he should run Sprocket, though. I think so. Maybe not. In- or you can yeah, redeem exactly. yourself if Homer will be running yeah. this so summer, let's too. Maybe not try to <laughs> Sprocket. Let's maybe go with a small indoor to start. <laughs> Actually, that not do it at all because that sounds like it's a train there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Cole entered the men's barrel racing as well at our at our finals this year, and he won it. And he actually ran like like I think the fastest times were like what probably like a fifteen nine to sixteen zero there, and he ran a sixteen one on this horse. And he literally had yeah yeah, people were coming up to him and were like, "Do you train barrel horses?" He's like, "No," (laughs) but the owner of that horse like got him a picture and it's framed of him, and he's in perfect barrel racing form. I got a post picture because it's so funny and it's so funny like on the top it says cool plus frosty (laughs) (laughs) i do have a barrel racing picture from that as well which i try not to let out too often (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, that's funny there you got some blackmail christine yeah he's got none about me though yeah i don't honestly i don't really have any that i can think of i'm not usually there during the day and (laughs) She just rides too good all the time. She doesn't really get herself in a wreck. Well, that's okay. You, uh, you sacrificed yourself. Well, that's okay. You, uh, you sacrificed yeah, exactly. yourself and you got us yeah. two good stories here. So, anyway. I guess, uh, that'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> so one silly thing I did last year, Jeff wasn't traveling with me as one of the amateurs. I was going to a rodeo and uh, we get there and I realized that I have not brought my wallet. So I have no checkbook, <laughs> no nothing. And we're gone for the weekend. Like we're not going home. So I bum entry fees all weekend off of Charlene or Jen. And then Peter, uh, one of our good friends, was announcing Boyle. So I, any sponsors, he's one of our sponsors and he was there. So I went over to Peter and I said, Peter, I need your checkbook. I forgot my wallet this weekend. He's like, oh, yeah. Like I did. I have no money for fees. He's like, okay, I got you taken care of. So he was really good that way. So I made it through the weekend, got all my fees paid. We pull back in to the ranch and I'm unloading my my stuff and I opened my bag and I had three envelopes from a jackpot where I'd won a bunch of money oh. and just enough in there that we my fees all weekend. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. But I didn't I didn't pay Peter back. I just kept it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't announce it when you were in the arena no, or anything? No, he didn't. Usually he comes up with something quite good, but yeah. no, he was good. Hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I like that. <laughs> but the weekend before that, we drove all the way to Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, me and Charlene, and she forgot her wallet, and I had to pay her fees. Oh. oh. <laughs> so, so I guess it's not. I think I forgot my wallet on the way to the mountains before, and I had the e-transfer Shelby. At least you have e-transfer, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now it's our running joke because we always check with each other, make sure somebody has wallets because we're like, if we both forget at the same time, then we're really screwed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that's a good one. All right. Well, where can people find you guys on social media? Facebook. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you guys are pretty good at posting yeah. videos and, and yeah, everything on Yeah, we have that. the Christine Drisner performance horses. Um, I post a bunch of stuff on there. Um, we both have personal pages, too. Jeff shares a lot of stuff on his. And um, then Sprocket, he has his own page, same as Playboy. And someday I should figure out Instagram, probably. And then uh, The Ranch um, also has its own website and Facebook page as well, Still Meadows Ranch. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for taking. Well, thank you guys for taking (laughs) two hours and twenty minutes out of your Saturday (laughs) evening for us. Bored. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess. Hey, nothing else to do other than talk on the horse. People can still be pretty busy. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, yeah. I'm just as busy as ever. It seems like out on the farm. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much, and stay safe with all this craziness out there, and yeah, good thing you guys got lots of toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of paper and lots of things to look after, and and yeah, we're just taking it one day at a time and trying to do our part, that's for sure. Yeah. And then as soon as this quarantine... Definitely, and I hope if... As soon as this quarantine's done, I'll be on your doorstep. Sounds good. Your horse will be ready for you. <laughs> I hope so. but thanks for having us we really appreciate you guys thinking about us and we hope that uh, some of the information we shared was helpful and yeah oh so helpful and I hope that anyone listening if you're considering um, coaching at all sounds like of any discipline or for your horse I hope uh, Mm -hmm. you guys consider Still Meadows Ranch uh, not only have um, like the information that you guys shared with us was amazing there's so many references that you guys would have. Like all of our group of friends, I think has almost everyone has sent a horse to you <laughs> or has been to you for a lesson or been to Still Meadows Ranch. So even though we're so far up north, like everyone knows Christine and you can tell when a horse is running that has been trained by you because it, it runs a beautiful pattern. Thank you. Perfect. Well, we'll have Perfect. to catch we'll up sometime soon. Up. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, guys, we got another late Saturday night podcast (laughs) coming at you. Seems to be the regular. Stevie's getting hangry. (laughs) No, don't. No, don't. Guys, and also I can't talk when I'm getting hungry and tired. So <laughs> I was trying to say no doubt. <laughs> One of our biggest rules is to always have snacks. You guys are dropping the ball on your end. I, I have know. my jar of olives. I'm crushing down here. I actually just finished the whole jar. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we probably shouldn't be sharing food if we're social distancing right now. That's true. Oh, I guess that's true. That's yeah. true. You guys can come here and I'll throw all of them in the yard for you. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that was a great podcast. They had so much wisdom. I loved their whole, like, their mental game. Yes. They had a solid mental game, both of them. Mm -hmm. And they're so cute. Like, Mm -hmm. I love them as a couple. Yeah. I've never... They encourage each other. Yeah. 
have you met christine in person no i was gonna say i've never met them or anything like that but from that conversation i'm like okay i think i need to meet these people in real life hang out (laughs) (laughs) yeah you guys just have to um call your horses down with me when i go get cash and we can do a lesson maybe yeah oh yeah i'm down anytime i want yeah Yeah. our montana trip may not happen now which was going to be at that Yeah. yeah but but maybe we'll just bring our horses anyway yeah, hopefully if everyone yeah. is allowed or some people are still allowing their arenas to stay open, if we're just, um, you know, comply by all the rules and stay away from each other, maybe we can still haul and practice a little bit. And that's and still in quite like that's still quite a ways away. That's when the end of April, beginning of May, isn't it? In April? Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you all are staying safe and clean and sanitized out there. And uh, we just want to remind you to please find us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram. We would love it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And better yet, share our podcasts on your Instagram stories and stuff like that. We love seeing that. And then again, I know we say it every time, but feedback is great. We want to make these as good as possible. And we want to bring the content that you guys want. So just Mm -hmm. keep the feedback coming. And don't forget to get rich or ride trying. (laughs)